folks uh sorry about the slight delay here there was a bit of a live feed issue uh my my mistake on that uh didn't realize until about seven minutes in speaking with uh darren here so uh welcome to tonight's episode uh with a, a little hiccup here uh again my apologies uh we have uh darren porter the founder and director of minus uh the marine institute of natural in academia science uh, with us from Windsor, Nova Scotia tonight. Uh, under, uh, with tonight's show, uh, we may have to run a little longer just because we lost seven minutes here, unfortunately. So with all said and done, uh, tonight's episode is supposed to go outdoors episode five. Again, apologize for the little hiccup uh, with, uh, with going live, it didn't go live. So I'd like to bring Darren Porter on the show here. Sorry about that, Darren. Uh, we had a hiccup. Yeah, no problem, brother. Uh, but uh, that's the, the second little hiccup we had tonight, unfortunately. Uh, we're live now, obviously. Uh, uh, so I guess we got to recap uh, what we had discussed while it didn't go live, I guess. So, Perfect. So, <laughs> I guess it's a take two for us tonight. Uh, so with, uh, with yourself, uh, you're the founder and director of uh, Minus. Um, tell us a little bit about what what your group does there and, uh, and your threat <coughs> for river systems in uh, Nova Scotia as elsewhere as well. I see you chime in a lot. Uh, yep. uh, uh, I'll just chime in here so the viewers know. I don't know you personally other than the river work you do. I follow you on Facebook, obviously, and uh, over time we've uh, you've seen what I've done and, and vice versa. So uh, for our viewers there tonight, uh, I'm going to, like I said, engage, have them engage. Anybody that wants to ask us questions throughout uh, or comment, uh, comments are welcome. So uh, again, let's uh, let's start uh, over here tonight, Darren, and uh, we'll try to make sure there's no hiccups again. I apologize, but that's just that when we go live, obviously. That's the way she goes. That's the way she goes. So, the your organization. Tell us a little bit about what. Uh, well, the organization was founded, and uh, simply because um, when you're dealing with um, government or dependents, whether it's federal or provincial, or you're dealing with Katy or Dow or St. Mary's or universities or anything, they don't like using just somebody's name. And uh, I do a lot of work with Dow. Do a lot of work with Acadia. Do a lot of work with do some work with St. Mary's. I work with the province a fair bit. I work with First Nations, and they don't seem to mind using my name, but they're the only ones within reason. And um, basically, we formed it because if you don't, it's the same as association. Like I'm the spokesman for a large fishing fishing organization too, or multiple fishing organizations, but one big one. And uh, you don't really um, have the power of a voice 
without um, joining or leading or being a part of a bigger group of people. It's a policy thing. It's a it's a thing within our government and our system that you know individuals can easily be ignored unless they're a collective, you know, and recognize the collective, registered as a collective. So so basically with minus we just formed it simply so they didn't have to use my name all the time because it's become problematic for for government people within reason and universities when they look at the roster of some of our studies. You know, um, like for instance, I'm doing one right now that has the federal government, provincial government, but no, it has federal government, it has uh, Dalhousie, Acadia, it has um, uh, Mi'kmaq Conservation Group, and then it has Darren Porter. So it's like when people see that, they're like, well, these are all big government organizations and big university structures, and you got this one guy that's a fisherman outlier, right? And a lot of times, fishermen don't get the, you know, I get a lot of respect from some people, but when you don't get a lot of respect from everybody and uh, it's, they don't it's just not uh, our knowledge isn't easily respected as easy as a phd or government is or whatever people usually think when you know a phd speaks they, they're a knowledge holder and they are knowledge holders but they don't necessarily know more than the fisherman that fishes his backyard or the farmer that farms his fields or or whatever that's but, that's but, more so the boots on the ground approach eh, Darren? Yeah, like I mean, we when I do lectures across the country, or I have done lectures across the country from universities, which is rare because I don't even have a PhD, I don't have a MSD, I don't even have an undergrad. I've never been to university in my life besides doing lectures. And um, you know, when I go, the first thing I do when I walk in, which some people find rude, but um, I think it's it's more of a setting the stage thing, is um, I'll I'll look at the audience, and there's usually multiple professors in it and students. And uh, I'll say, well, who's the most educated person in the room? And a lot of times it takes a few minutes to start getting somebody to admit they have the most academic education. I don't say academic education. I just say who's the most educated person in the room, right? And um, so after a while, I'll find somebody that will admit it or whatever, or step up to the plate. And minimum, it's seven years. And a lot of times it's, you know, nine or 12 or something. And I'll say, I'll say, excellent, you know, and he'll still say their names or whatever. And, I'll say, how many days last year did you spend on the reserve? And they'll just look at me. And they now know what I'm doing. And uh, and they'll say, well, sometimes they'll say one, sometimes they'll say none. I said, well, how many days in your life have you ever spent on one? And then most most I've ever got was two days. So I'm like, so don't dismiss First Nation knowledge then. If you if you spent 13 years getting your education in your system, which is academic, don't look at traditional knowledge and just and, and chuck it out the window. Then I'll go to what I have, which is local knowledge. I fish my rivers. I mean, we're on the water 200, 300 times a year, some years more. We fish the weir. We're on the water for 400 some tides. Plus, mm -hmm. we fish the boat. So, you know, don't dismiss our knowledge because you haven't understood it or learned it. The nice thing about a fisherman or a First Nation person or somebody else is we can study all the stuff the academics do because they write it all down. So we can just go and start studying their stuff, right? It's simple. If we want to put the time in, it's much harder for them to study our stuff. And they got to put a lot of time in to try to understand this. And most haven't yet. So basically, that's where I fit in is I kind of turn the, turn the, I put the screws to them sometimes, I guess, and make them think, you know, you can't dismiss our knowledge simply because it's not your knowledge, you know, and that's where it all stems from. 
Jeez, it's a it's a wealth there just to to hear you speak like that because in a it sounds like in such a short time, Darren, you've learned a whole pile about the bureaucracy and the hurdles that are are put on place, and unfortunately, the the way government uh, judges uh, single individuals versus big organizations, government organizations, energy organizations. Uh, a lot of uh, different hurdles that are uh, brought forward that way. Uh, In a lot of cases, individuals don't have teams of lawyers. That's another factor. So when a government organization or university is dealing with a, a proponent, a proponent's either coming with money to, to feed them when it comes to a university or in a government, they have to be super careful because a lot of these big companies have massive teams of lawyers and government is stretched fairly thin. So they don't want to get into situations that, that are that are um, potentially going to turn bad for the government themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's easier to dismiss an individual. But that doesn't mean you're going to be dismissed, neither, because you got to have hope. And over the years, the fact I've dug and been persistent and pushed and pushed and built friendships, not just working relationships, but friendships in some cases, um, and respect, because I've never, never lied to them. You can't lie to them. Once you lie, if you don't have a PhD or if you don't have an MS, you don't you don't have your stuff. You're done. You lose credibility fast. You, you're, you, that's all I have. So the second, and if I make a mistake, which I will, and I have, you I have to it. correct that mistake in every way possible, possibly to correct it. And that's what people don't get. You just can't go flip your lips off, right? I mean, you've got to really have your stuff together because they will dismiss. You can make a hundred good points and change a hundred good things. If you're an individual or a hunting group or a fishing group and you say one thing that they can tear apart, believe me, there's people that will tear you apart. Well, I've, I've, I've noticed that uh, even with doing the fish and wildlife stuff, uh, volunteer. Uh, if, if you don't have your credibility, Darren, like you said, uh, you're, you're done. You, you're up uh, Craps Creek without a paddle. Uh, you're you're because, you're you're finished. It's over. You're finished. It's over. Uh, you know you don't and, have uh, that. You don't have those letters to fall back on and say, "Whoops, I made a mistake." Easily, right? You don't have it. So we are playing in a field that's not level. Um, it's it's not a it's not a fair playing field. Which, in all honesty, doesn't matter in the end. You can still do your job. You can still be effective. I mean, I mean, I've I've been instrumental in taking down an Annapolis turbine, which was a massive battle. There's other people who's fought that for 35 years, mm -hmm. but. I had to dig to find the, uh, I don't know what the proper word for it is, the, the switch, I guess. Um, there was a switch that actually turned that off, and it wasn't an electrical switch. It was a policy switch or, a, or um, uh, an act. It was a part of the Fisheries Act that everybody missed prior to me. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, we, everybody fought it with uh, knowledge and good, good arguments. But every single, you can argue good arguments sometimes to your blue in the face. If you don't find that switch, um, you can't you can't make it happen. So in that case, with that that one there, um, everybody knew that was local. It was a massacre machine, and in the end, DFO ended up agreeing and shutting it down. But it took thirty five years. That's a long battle, right? I didn't fight it for thirty five years, and I didn't fight it alone. Um, but I was the one that found the switch, basically, which was the fact it didn't have an operational approval and they didn't have um, an, an authorization to uh, to kill. So they literally had an illegal operation killing fish. Um, and then I had to prove they were killing fish, which was dozens and dozens of studies to prove it. And then they had to do a CSAT, 
to verify it. And in the end, DFO ended up agreeing, all their scientists, it killed 10 plus percent of, say, shad. I think it was shad on the way through every single tide. Wow. 10%. Right? That's, so, I mean, the, it, it was a massacre. And that was in an estuary where fish live. They don't just migrate through once. They live in an estuary. So, it's like playing Russian roulette on a, on a tidy, tide basis. So, no wonder there was no fish hardly left. I mean, it was a massacre, right? So, in the end of the day, it took a long time to shut that down because politics didn't want to shut it down because it was kind of Nova Scotia's claim to fame in the tidal power world. Um, where they were the first in North America, but in the end, they got shut down. And uh, we work, we work on issues like that all the time. And and they can, you can make a change if you're right, and you're doing the right battle. If you're diligent, and you're willing to understand everybody else, you're willing to study and study and study, and you're willing to build those relationships and go in for the war, not the battle. You can win them, and they, you will win them. That's for sure. Now, I know you mentioned policy there a few times, Darren, and uh, I cringe when I hear policy uh, myself in general, because every department, whether it's provincial, federal or municipal, they always want to cite policy. Now, policy isn't the be all end all. And I've learned that very quick uh, early on in uh, fish and wildlife stuff. It's policy is kind of their scapegoat to a lot of stuff, but policy isn't the, the regulation or the law, which uh, or the act under the law. Uh, policy is, uh, I want to say, third or fourth on the list of things, but they always jump to policy first and use that as their scapegoat. It's to, politics. To, 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 to backdoor things. My biggest thing that I've learned, uh, and you've probably seen this too, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, when government tells you, no, we're not going to do something, are you like myself now where it's, hey, I'm a dog with a bone. I want to know why you said no. And I want that answer. Like, yeah. don't just tell me no for the sake of thinking I'm going to get lost. They just made it fun. When they say no to me, they just made it fun. Darren, we <laughs> we have something in common yeah. because yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. always up for the challenge myself, right? Yeah. Uh, and in all honesty, to... if you've got an environmental situation that's harming something, chances are there's a way to win it. You know, you're not going to win them all. And sometimes you can, you, sometimes you get an understanding of why things are the way they are. But other times what's happened is, I mean, people in government change all the time. Over, and they can't know what the people before them did. And there is people that make really bad decisions in government sometimes. And there's politicians that get involved and make extremely hard situations for the environment and for what hunters and fishermen cherish. They, they, don't, they, don't the, they, don't, they don't have the same investment we do. So they're looking at a what they call a bigger picture. I hate it when they say public good. Well, who's public? What public good? Is it what the politician decides that is elected? Now, and they say, well, yeah, that's a representation of the people. Well, not really. I mean, if you get a provincial politician, it's a representation of a party. It's not represent, representing the party to the people. Now, when you talk municipal um, uh, elections, they represent the people, direct people. But federal and provincial, you can argue they don't necessarily represent us at all. They represent the prime minister in mm-hmm. the federal case, right? And they represent the party the prime minister is a part of. And people can argue that all they want to. But I'm going to guarantee you, you start playing this game long enough, um, you know, you're going to see differently. You know, Moses Cody was a famous Nova Scotian from Antigonish and, uh, or wherever. I mean, he, I think Antigonish is where he's from and another priest there. They taught us this stuff back in the 1920s. If you look up the Master of Your Own Destiny, 
He told you what politics was all about. He taught the farmers. He taught the fishermen. He taught. If you start reading his papers, it's no different in 2020 than it was back in 1920. These people represent the party. The party represents who? That's questionable. Sometimes it's the people. Sometimes it's big industry. Sometimes it's whatever they want to do, right? Um, you know, people should step back. We have a wonderful province with a lot of very educated people that's been in our seats prior to us, a lot far smarter than me. And then Moses Cody's one. I mean, that's a that's something everybody should be reading, I think. Now, uh, now let's means we're talking about uh, fish tonight and angling and science behind things, and and we've touched on the the politics and the government hurdles, obviously. Uh, let's talk about fish passage. You know, I know uh, I know fish ladders in my neck of the woods is a big issue, and uh, heaven forbid, like uh, it's it's hard to get them cleaned out all the time. And there's well, laws, there's laws there, Darren, that uh, that state that uh, the owner of said fish ladder has to maintain to keep that open under the under the law. But but trying to get DFO sometimes to uh, lay a charge or whatever. It's it's difficult. I know. Uh, I know. I, I know. The last one we dealt with was uh, McCaskill's Brook uh, out around uh, uh, Birch Grove, uh, Morian Way, or Birch Grove Sand Lake area. And uh, Lord geez, when we went ahead, man, and contacted uh, uh, Amira, it was trying to get somebody in their well, their association to to answer the phone or return oh, phone man. call. So like you, you just touched you, an like, area that I know well. Let, like, like you got to take them and rattle them because we had to tell them at one point that, hey, the media is going to be involved. As soon as we said media, within 24 hours, the problem was rectified because because we said you're blocking fish passage, but not. Darren, shortly after, they encased the whole fish ladder with uh, with a 12-foot chain link fence yeah. to keep sometimes you've got seeing. no choice right like i mean I, the last resort for me is media and i love media we need our media and i never turn down a call for media because they're so important and we're losing them if we don't have media we're in trouble like big we're already in trouble but we're in bigger trouble than media so i you know you need you need your media now with me i'm good at getting media because i've built a relationship with a lot of reporters across this province right but that took a long time because they look at me as a fisherman always never until they get to know me and once i tell them enough stuff that verifies itself and i ended up literally you've got to learn to write somebody in media i don't do twitter like i have a twitter account but i don't do it because i can't write whatever i want to say in five freaking sentence or a little sentence right because yep. it's too complicated so anyways but you got to write them literally and give them, you got to spoon feed them. Like you literally got to spoon feed them and you've got to figure out what they want and they want a headline or whatever. Uh, and, and it's important process in our democracy. I try not to use it unless I have to, um, simply because if I, I find that sometimes I offend some good people that I work with within government and it's often because they'll twist your words a bit to make it more whatever yeah, or bad or news cells right yeah or if i get to a point where i've got to go to media and media didn't come to me it's because i've exhausted every avenue with the province or the feds and i feel like i'm up against the wall i'm going to lose this battle if i don't go because a lot of times when you foy pop something like i like a tips or foy pops and people got to learn how to do that which is freedom of information act 
if you pull up, you do an A tip today on a topic of a fish ladder in your backyard, I can almost guarantee you it's 80% media lines and people trying to figure out how to smooth over the situation in the public and how to turn the story or make the story not so bad or whatever. It's it's a huge machine, our, our system's a huge machine, and, and really it's effective sometimes to go after them, but sometimes it's not, and it's a hard line to walk. It's, it's very delicate because I have lost good people in government simply because they took offense to what I ended up having to say. I meant no offense to them. Because it's like them, it's like me saying, you know, or you saying, we've mentioned DFO. Well, DFO is a big organism. Or a big, you know, there's, tw I think, 25,000 members of DFO in the Maritimes or something like that. I can't remember the exact number. But there's so many departments in DFO. And if you slam DFO, you could have a really good fisheries officer that really tries to do his job. But he's being held back by the, the politics of DFO. You know, he's told what he can do because he's an agent of the crown. Like, he doesn't work for us. He works for them. And people say, well, he's a public servant. Well, he's a public servant to them, to us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he takes his orders or she takes their orders, not from me. They take their orders from them. You know, so you, you got to be careful. Like a scientist in DFO, chances are they're arguing with the politics of DFO. And chances are the politics of DFO are arguing amongst themselves. So we've got to be careful not just to say, you know, Department of Environment or Department of, or DFO. It's no different than we don't like being classed in the same thing as all fishermen. Because, like, I'm a commercial fisherman, and I think I'm a, a responsible, good commercial fisherman. And I can't stand it when I hear an academic. Like, I jump on academics all the time when they start classing us all the same. So. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, it's one of those things that's complex. I don't want to get in here and confuse everybody, but you kind of got to be careful sometimes. And when we jump out in the public, we don't always have control of how our words get turned. You got to be careful. It's, it's a, it's a very fine line. And uh, I like the fact that you brought up uh, a tips and uh, freedom of information, mm. because the more people that know about them, yeah. they're worth their weight in gold. Yeah, even if they don't tell you exactly what you want to see, you're definitely going to see what they care about. And like, they care about their name. They care about how they look. And some of them care about the environment, yes. And some of them care about what you care about, yes. But there's a lot of them that care about how this is going to turn up and turn around and how it's going to look and affect them. And and you know what, Darren? For an example here, I know uh, we're, I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, and it's not fishing related. One, one memorable foy pop that I had done was in regards to... Uh, a spring bear harvest in Nova Scotia. Well, in 2007, when I did the foy pops, uh, it, it came up in 2017 uh, that uh, the province had actually manufactured, purchased the bear tags for uh, a spring bear hunt and never, ever issued them. And then when I started doing some digging, and I'm sure you can relate to this one, it's uh, it, it turned out that uh, with government meetings and that, uh, that uh, government uh, was more fearful of the reaction of the yes. general public yes, yes. and the perception Absolutely. and the perception yes. and reflection it would have on, on the votes that their party would receive. Well, exactly. That's what it's all about. It's all about votes. And that's, see, there's, that brings us to, um, I mean, that's a great point because um, in all honesty, if you want to fix something, you need to fix and you need to, to, to remember votes matter period it it really does if, if, if you got a party that wants to line up with what you're doing 
golden. I'm serious. If you don't, you got a long battle. Doesn't mean you shouldn't fight it, but you got an absolutely long battle. It's, it's just atrocious when the politicians have spoken and they want something. Chances are they're putting all the wheels in motion to get what they want, and they're putting checks and balances in there so it can't be reversed. I mean, we get a situation down here with Halfway River right now where they've just blocked off a complete river. And now they get an authorization from the federal government to do so. Now we're down to talking about whether we're going to take gates off a culvert that was never supposed to be on it. Well, we, we've been reduced down. We, we were fighting not to get the river blocked, or some of us were, right? And now we're reduced down trying to get gates off that are completely blocking the fish patches. We, we've already lost the major part of the battle within reason. So, um, so for our viewers that don't know anything about uh, the Halfway River, Darren, what was the, the reasoning for them to lock off that area and fish passage? This is the part where I probably piss people off in government. But anyways, the reason was is that at the end of the day, it was easier to, um, how do I put this? It was harder to educate a population on what was happening than it than it was to incite that population to their predisposed belief, which means when the tidal waters were coming in, it made everything look brown and it was scary looking. But the province had really good people working for them and they put things into action quickly because a lot of good people that work for our government, right? Mm -hmm. So they put things in to work quickly and they sent out um, uh, contractors and, um, and engineers and 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 con and put out uh, studies and with the best marsh people in the province and they did a really good job, right? They were starting to assess the situation, try to figure out what to do, what we expect our government to do, right? So, anyways, they went out and they did a study, and the study said, you know, this isn't scary. This is actually a beautiful thing. The the, the all the all the erosion you see was already there prior to this event. We got it Google Earth pictures. Most people don't realize the province takes pictures, been taking pictures for years in the feds. So they know what all these they know early nineties, late eighties. Exactly. They know what all these rivers look like. They just gotta go back to their pictures. So they proved that the erosion wasn't what the people were saying it was new. It wasn't new at all. So then they proved that, you know, this was a really amazing thing um, that was actually happening. And but that didn't suit the narrative and it wasn't easy to take a population that was seeing an event that they considered scary. It was very hard to educate those people to the truth. So what they did, they decided to do, was they stopped all the good souls, I guess, in the government that were doing a good job. They pushed them aside over with their narrative and told the people it was a, it was a natural disaster. And then they said, we're going to save you. So then, I'm losing the feed for you, Darren. Are you still there? I lost Hello? you for a second. You there? Yeah, um, I'm here. We're still Did I lose alive. you? Yeah, we, uh, you broke up for a minute there, mm. halfway through. I don't know if you can hear me or not, brother. I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Maybe they didn't like that comment, but... Uh, yeah. Anyways, it, it, yeah. it's unfiltered, unscripted, so I think we're uh, yeah, right on. Anyways, so basically, um, so basically, they 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 seized the moment and they went in the and the people thought they were doing them a favor and the people wanted it closed because they were scared, but they didn't give them all the information 
and all the facts and details that they should have gave them to make a logical decision. It was hard to educate people. It's easy to incite them. If they're scared, just go over and tell them what they want to hear, and they'll follow you because you protected them. You looked after them, right? So that's what happened. And they ended up blocking off. They had, they had the, you know, it, it's a mess. They destroyed the river. Now, saying that, um, there is hope. It's never going to be as good as it was. It's never going to be the, the, what it could be. The potential will never be met now. But it, uh, there is hope. I'm seeing hope that DFO is stepping in. And I'm seeing hope that they're holding the province to a little bit higher level than I've ever seen before. So I've never seen DFO as proactive as they're being as lately. So we may, because we as fishermen, we don't have a province to look to to save us because our fisheries and agriculture as commercial fishermen is all inland aquaculture and sales. They don't look after fish passage. You know what I mean? They don't look after the, the coastal ecosystem. So we have to look to the feds. And if we don't have the feds fighting for us, we're in deep shit, you know? So basically then we have the other problem in, in the halfway river we have um windsor causeway up farther which is another issue right now we want a big battle there this week um a huge battle i've been fighting for 18 years so that gives your viewers an idea sometimes how long this stuff takes some of it's not fast at all so we finally finally found the the light switch or the whatever um to figure out how to deal with windsor and what it was is we had to find um, the policy, basically, or protocols. And there was a statement in the protocols that said that the, the passage could be moved um, if there was credible evidence um, that it should be moved. So how do you do that? Well, with fishermen, they never take my evidence as credible. and They can do it either way. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. But First Nations, where we work with them, and I work steady with First Nations on a daily basis. Um, and I'm remember, I'm a commercial spokesman for a commercial fishery. There's scallops, there's lobsters, there's weirs, there's jump nets, there's gill netters. So, I mean, you know, this is something you don't hear the good story of side of a lot in this province. You hear the bad shit all the time. You don't hear the good shit. But we work very closely because there's no sense in fighting. We need to work together to preserve our ecosystem for our what we all love doing. You have so, to work collaboratively. Oh, you have to. You know, the biggest mistake a fisherman can make, or a hunter, is fighting with another hunter or fisherman. Whether they, whether you think something's not right, you should have a conversation. You should never fight, because we, honestly, are the minority now. You have the anti everything that thrive right. off it, feed right. off it to the point right. where it's like, it's like, well, we don't have to spend money to 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 hurdle them. Their, their infighting is going to be their own demise. Exactly. Now, you think about this. The commercial fishery is the largest independent industry in our province. It's the largest exporter in our province. The only government, or the only industry that's bigger is government in our province, okay? Now, you put the commercial fishery in line with First Nations and in line with the recreational fisheries. Now, we dwarf the province. You understand? So we didn't fight amongst ourselves, and we were willing to listen to each other's issues and um, each other's stuff and get along. We are the majority, 
But right now, we're the minority because we choose the easy road. You know, people choose bigotry. People choose uh, fighting because you don't agree with the way this guy hunts or you don't agree with this guy or you don't like the way, you don't like a commercial fisherman because you think they're tearing up the world, but you don't get your evidence of that. I mean, you know, you like catch and release, but you like retaining. You know, you know what, guys? If you don't start getting along, we're all, we're done. Like, and, it's only and, a matter of time. And you know what, Darren? Like, uh, I've, I've learned a long time ago, uh, back with the moose call. And many people know me from dealing with that and being very outspoken advocate in regards to the moose call. And at that time, I was a strong advocate of everybody's got to work together for a common goal here. Because uh, if not, we're not going to have conservation. We're not going to have sustainability. Shortly after, we ended up all uh, working together uh, uh, on different things. There were certain topics there that may or may not have been agreed to or whatnot. But you, everybody's going to have differences no matter which yep. way you look at it. It's it, it's how you work with them differences that make you a stronger entity. or. Oh, man. Or a collaborative group of entities uh, and organizations moving forward. And then you've also got, uh, like, the big thing that I found is, and, and you have the upper hand here, as do we doing uh, fish and wildlife stuff recreationally, is you're working with the MiGMA. Because, and when I say the upper hand is uh, government for so long, they, they like to have one group here and one group here and the government be the middleman. So if I had a question, I'd have to go to the government that and then they come back and say, oh, no, uh, said uh, uh, the Mi'kma aren't in agreement. And then they created that division. Right. And it didn't well, matter what, what level. Right. You have a chance to uncreate that, though. And, so and, my experience is, is that I don't just have um, working relationships with Mi'kma. I have a lot of good friends. So. You know, a lot of it started because of what I believe in and how I work for the rivers. But it doesn't mean it's just a business relationship. I have good, good, good Mi'kmaq friends. No different than I have good Caucasian friends or good African-Canadian friends or good government friends and federal government or good. You know, at mm -hmm. the end of the day, we're people. And and I I get this a lot with my fish. I don't get it with my fishermen too much because they know me. And I'll fight for them for free for tooth and nail and they can go fish while I'm fighting their battles and I mean I put thousands of hours into these battles so they don't like making me too cranky neither because I do it for free and I do whatever they want as long as it's not for the wrong reasons right so I won't tolerate racism at all I won't no. even come close to tolerate because in all honesty you don't hear of a single fight between First Nations and the fishery in the upper Bay of Fundy but you hear nothing but fights in the lower Bay of Fundy you think that's because everybody's happy in the upper bay of funding? No. It's because there's a line of respect that we understand there's differences and the fact that there's people like myself that won't tolerate it because it can't happen. We we won't we will be divided by that government so or the politicians more so. We will be divided so fast. And if we're divided, we will fall. And that's once true. you get to know a lot of people within the First Nations, most of them think the same way you do. There's outliers. There's people that are in every single walk of life that will always be troublemakers. And I don't mean troublemakers like myself because I'm a troublemaker when it comes to making shit happen for people. But there's people that just like to get other people mad. You're going to find out whether you're First Nations. You're going to find out whether you're Caucasian or whatever. You're going to find those people in every walk of life. You need to ignore them. Right. Mm -hmm. You need to work with the good people. And then 
they're going to think before they do something about the consequences of losing your friendship or upsetting you in their decision-making process. It's no different than government. If you have a good relationship that's truthful, meaningful with people, they will always think of you before they make a decision. It's the truth. And I will always think of them before I make a decision. So if I'm out there and i got fishermen yapping at me, which happens all the time, um, about something they don't like, or this guy can do this and I can't do this, and I'm that's the one I don't get. Like I, I get why people say it, but it's like, okay, with a fisherman it's easy. I said, well, what's your license say you can do with Gas Pro? Well, I'm allowed to run 150 fathoms a net with my license. How much are you allowed to run? Well, I'm allowed to run 200 fathoms. I said, am I bitching about your 50 fathoms? No, I bought the license that says I run 150 fathoms. And then I go to a lobster fisherman. I say, well, can you run the same season as if you're in area 35? Is your season in, is, is in the same area as 34? And he goes, no. I said, then, are you mad at them? you got to think. Everybody has something different. You know what I mean? And, and people just look at, people jump too fast. We have a lot of differences in our ability to harvest. We're different than New Brunswick. So mm-hmm. do you get mad at every New Brunswicker because they can go harvest the moose in their mainland? Like, I'm, you know, you got to think about things differently, right? Like, sometimes I get why people get mad. Do you think I don't want to go harvest moose? I put in for my moose tag for 20-some years. I've never got one. I've never got a moose tag in my life. You don't think I want to go shoot a moose? God damn right I do. I want to take my whole family out, right? And, so, and, and you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll chime in on the moose thing. Uh, make sure that you have your PIN number for the, the Nova Scotia draw to get on because it's going to be an online registry. For moose, right. they're not doing telephone this year or mail-in uh, payments or anything, to my knowledge. Uh, mm-hmm. They specifically said by May 6th, you got to have the PIN number, right, to sign online to, to to do it that way and your address up to date. They've put a whole lot of restrictions due to COVID-19 on that. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's move along, Darren, and touch on uh, – I've got a, a number of photos that you had uh, sent me as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, – Let's uh, let's just touch base here on uh, where is it at here the science behind what you guys do. I, I know you you put out uh, transmitters and receivers. Yeah. Uh, uh, like explain the the science and research aspect that you and the folks on your boat take part in. I know you've uh, I believe you've done some work with uh, CMM, uh, yep. the Confederacy of Mainland Mi'kmaq before. Yep. Uh, Yep. Uh, still it, you still are okay well i got uh, so, two actually members of cmm um, that stay in my house during covid uh, this covid thing because we couldn't be crossing back and forth between communities so they're actually living with me the people that are actually doing the science so that way we can continue like we're 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 not we're not willing to 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 um give up anything and we have a very strong working relationship doesn't mean that they look it's not that they're doing what i want or i'm not doing what they want we just have a mutual respect so they've actually moved in um, uh, two members of the MCG, which works for um, CMM, into my home, right? And I've invited them into my home, and, and then my daughter and my son work with me too. So we're able to keep doing our science. It's all in the same household. So we right now, I think this month, we monitor 60 different sites this month, I believe. It's around 60 sites, um, not different sites, but 60 trips. It's well, incredible okay. amount of work we're doing. Like, and everything's everything's like um, they're all like uh, the the members of CMM or um, like their science team, right? So their science team comes out. I catch the fish because I'm the local knowledge of where they are in our system, and um, I keep them safe. You know, because I have the proper gear 
stuff like that. And then they record. I don't record anything. So they record everything because I keep my hands off the recording of anything because, of course, it's easy just to put a fisherman. We're, eat, we're socially acceptable. It's, it's socially acceptable to, to say anything about a fisherman nowadays, right? People can get away with saying, putting us down to the lowest garbage on earth. So basically, I stay in the back of the boat. I catch the fish. I show them where they are. They record them. And uh, I keep them safe. And they write it all down their books. And they measure. Everything's measured. We put tags in some. Like, we're doing pit tagging. Um, last year, we did a lot of acoustic tagging, which is OT, was, works with a Dalhousie and OTN and the Mi'kmaq Conservation Group and Acadia University. And DFO, actually. And I look after their big array of receivers. That's a Tommy Cod right there in the picture. Um, that's a polymer goose in First Nations or frost fish if you're in you know, New Brunswick or Quebec. Um, it's a super, super important species that people don't think about. Um, it spawns in uh, January. Um, it needs fish passage in January when most people aren't thinking about fish passage. Um, it's, it's, that's why it's such an important fish to the First Nations. It's the only fish in their calendar. Their calendar has 13 months. It's, the, it's basically the season of the end of December, January. Um, that's got a $500 tag in that one. So, and then really? we track it. Yeah. So we track it, and that, that fish will be able to watch where that swims throughout its life cycle as long as that tag stays in. And that's my boat with a little boom, and it's a, it's a tire full of cement. And that receiver on there um, right now, that one there's a big one. That's a $5,000 receiver. We put that down, and anything that swims by that, um, that one there, I think sends a ping out every uh, second or two seconds. So if a fish is in the area that has one of those tags in it, it picks it up. And then we have one all the way all the way around the Minas Basin, up the Shuby, up the Stubiak, up the Avalon, Cornwallis, Gasparo River, Canacook River. We got them everywhere. So and that's this year. That's uh, Gasparo. That's the first uh, run of the Gasparo. I think that was right on the first quarter, last quarter moon, or th third quarter moon. Because um, everything in my life runs around moons. Most people don't understand that. But the fish always come with the moon. And I'm not talking about the full moon either. So moon and the tides. Yeah, the moon, tide, and temperature. Once you've got that figured out, you know, I know exactly what day I'm going to get fished every year. I can tell you when the next smash is going to hit me. And uh, I've, I see here that you've sent some, uh, you're, you're an all-weather fisherman by the looks of it, Darren. Like, that one yeah, there doesn't look too, too bad, uh, I've I've seen uh, another one here that I'll bring up here where uh, you're, yeah. uh, it looks like it's blowing a gale for crying out loud. And uh, yeah, well, we do we do science um, right straight through to the end of January, so we go every day. Now this year I'm trying to take Sundays off. I'm actually trying to take a day off, but we go every single day. There's no vacations. There's no nothing. We go from the April first. We'll go every day until, except for trying to take Sundays off, but I can't take them all. Um, we'll go right to the end of January. We don't stop. Okay. So, yeah. And that's that's with the Mi'kmaq on the boat, too. So, like, the Mi'kmaq representation is on my boat, too. So, when people say, one thing I don't like, too, is people say, well, where, where are they at on these issues? Well, they're there. They just don't speak publicly very often, right? There's a team right there. There's, Yeah, that's pretty cool. They're pretty cold. <laughs> uh, it looks like a, a cold morning or, or was that yeah, late in the evening that was uh in the evening i think maybe i can't remember that's a there's a lot of pictures like that in my mind oh Actually, there's uh yeah. there's a few there uh there's two here yeah. that's my daughter sorts. that's my daughter there and that's a member of the big mall conservation group up front and okay. they uh it's pretty cold because we're open too like we don't have comforts 
you, you have an open haul boat there. You yeah, don't have a yeah, cabin yeah. or uh, no. heaters or no. you guys are open to all elements. So, uh, so these people that work with me have to be pretty hardy. It takes a certain individual to go six days a week minimum until January. It, we only take two months a year off. We don't really get them off. We're just off the water. We're off the water in February and March. So it takes some pretty hardy individuals to go with me day after day after day after day. It never stops. Like there, there's literally doesn't stop, right? So now, and that's now that, your boat. Your boat is that a flat bottom hull, or you just yep. have a? Oh, it is. It's flat bottom. No, I got that built in Prince Edward Island. I used to oyster fish, and uh, I used to fish in Prince Edward Island for a couple of years, or five years, I guess. And um, they build some amazing dories over there, right? And the, the nice thing about that boat is I load and unload my boat close to 280 times a year, minimum. Mm -hmm. So that boat, I can pull on my trailer. That weighs, you know, a few thousand pounds. I'm down over a bank because I don't have good slips in my, my, my world, right? Mm -hmm. Like good places to load boats. I'm down over the bank. I get a big truck, great big aggressive tires on it, and I get down over a bank. I can lift that boat up full of gear, full of people. I can just roll it right on rollers. And then I'm working in the highest tides in the world. So we got 50, well, 52 foot tides here on a big moon, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not playing with little, you know, Atlantic coast, you know, Halifax tides. We're, we're in the big boys. So I got to get across sandbars at times. They only have half a foot of water. So when I want to go across them, I want to go across them because otherwise I'm going to sit out there for another 12 hours, which ain't no fun. Especially if you're in January, I don't want to stay in that river for 12 more hours than I already got to. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's it's the boat's made for what I do. Um, we got a guillotine on back. I don't know if you ever seen that. So it's a, a guillotine keeps the transom out. It take yes. allows me not to have a transom. So therefore, when I get the big waves and the big winds, and I'm backing up, no water comes in my boat. So everything's outside, and it's just it's built for. It's not built for comfort at all, but it is built to be safe, and it's built to do the job. Awesome. No, that's uh. That's wonderful. Now I was reading on your Facebook there because I, I said, geez, he sent this picture here and uh, I said he cleans up pretty damn well considering uh, when he's out on the boat there. And uh, I see here that uh, one of your crew members, your daughter, actually was it that uh, knitted made that sweater? Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, I got everything I want. I don't like I'm not a needy person when it comes to uh, I don't know whatever. But the knitted sweater that somebody spent two months making me. That's a damn fine present. That's, that's that's sentimental. I've got a lot of uh, stuff, whether it be pens that were made and just uh, eel spears, you name it. Right? That's uh, pretty, oh, eel spears, uh, fun. Pr pretty, uh, pretty sentimental. Yeah, I, know I like, here, I like, I like the homemade stuff, the old school stuff. They mean it, something, right? It means something. Uh, a lot of uh, hard labor put into stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Now I, I'm looking here at a couple of magazine uh, articles, Darren, I'm going to bring up here and maybe you can elaborate a bit on uh, those articles as well. Uh, yeah, this one was done in uh, Saltscapes this year. Now that's a sturgeon. We, we uh, tagged some sturgeon last year for Acadia uh, or Acadia okay. sent people out with me. Um, and uh, I'm the guy that I can find you fish. If it's there, I'm going to find it for you. So in that study, we, we tagged the, uh, um, 20 sturgeon um, with that study there but anyways um that magazine article is kind of kind of a nice one actually i get a lot of people come out to our operation because we never turn people away except for covid that's the only time we've ever turned away ways now but um when it's not covid i've had green peace on my boat i've had i think 28 dfo managers at my operation at the same time once 
I don't turn nobody away. Um, it's I, everybody that wants to interact, we allow them to, because it's the only way to change things, right? Mm-hmm. So these people here um, that come out, there's a photographer and a writer, um, amazing people. They called me up and said, listen, can we come to do a story? I didn't even remember who they were working for. I didn't know. It could be for anybody, honestly, because I've been in a lot of stories. And uh, I didn't even know they were doing the story when I read it. It was a goddamn good story, right? Like sometimes when people come out and do work with us, you don't know what to expect because they can spin anything. When you hunt the fish, they can take anything and make it look bad. You know what I mean? But these ones were very respectful, and they did a good job, right? Now, I so. see here uh, we've got one here where you're looks like uh, doing a presentation. Yeah, that was, a, I think, I think I was told that was the second largest attended lecture at Acadia University. That one there, I rocked the house. That was, uh, that one there, I, I, I had uh, some pretty heavy duty people in that room, actually. You had Isabel Knockwood was in that room. She's uh, wrote a book. She's First Nations um, uh, on, a, on the residential schools. You got Doreen Bernard back in the background. She's an extremely well-known activist. Um, you got APTN National news in there you got uh andrew younger was in the room that day you got tons of professors ones that like me ones that don't i mean you had some pretty heavy individuals in that room that day and i uh i think i rocked the house pretty good that day because i said things that people don't people some things are hard to hear mm-hmm. but sometimes you need to hear them right you know and, and i don't i don't uh i'm always willing to learn somebody else's side of the story because i learned long ago you may think you're right, and uh, but you're sometimes if you, you don't know the other side, you may not be right. So let's uh, keep split. We got a receiver. We're heading for a, a receiver. We got a really cool receiver over there. We have five all along that coastline of the of the Minus Passage, and there's one at the end there. That's a pretty sharky spot. That's where we get a lot of white shark detections right there. Okay. So we, yeah. So we got like we got one named after my daughter last year, my youngest girl. Um, there was one named after her, Ocean Maya. Um, she's uh, um, swimming around the Atlantic right now. So if you hear of Ocean Maya, that's named after my youngest daughter. It's kind of cool. If you heard about pumpkin, that was one we found. We, I don't know if anybody remembers pumpkin, but there was one of their pumpkin. There's Andel. There's a whole bunch. Of, we, we're the ones that find, don't do it for the ocean. Um, we don't do it for the one that most people know. We worked with uh, the Massachusetts government on them. Oh, okay. And uh, at Greg Scomo and John Chisholm, we sent all their information down there. But uh, they got a lot of uh, a lot of cool things. People don't realize how many white sharks we got here. We've been working on that quite a long time. That's fun. That's the funnest. That's the funnest one. The white sharks. I like the white sharks. It's uh, it's something that you should touch on the white sharks. I know uh, Osher she was up here a few times and uh, last year actually and they've they, they were surprised at the number of uh well, they shouldn't be. So the way uh, i can tell you how it all started actually it's kind of a good story years ago i was studying tidal power and i found a document back i think it was 2000 and i think it was 2012 maybe i don't know i can't remember when it was but anyways they hid the white sharks that they were finding right and in the document, they put it in the second to last page, and they give it one little tiny paragraph for a species at risk, way down in the subnotes of this paper, right, for tidal power. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Whoops, sorry. I said, what's this, right? Anyway, so I grabbed it like a, I grabbed it like a dog with a bone, man, and I started to find, you know, where, what are these white sharks? And I found the names of a few of them, and then I found the people that actually did the tagging down the state. So that's how it started. It was the American government. So anyways, we built this relationship over time, 
And then uh, we get into, uh, I got my own receivers through a, a contract and a company that worked for Big Moon. Anyways, um, I started putting my own receivers out there. And once they started doing that, I wasn't, I was a fisherman that was willing to share all of his information. You couldn't, the, the, the institutions couldn't no longer hide anything, right? Yes. Because how can they have a fisherman showing all these sharks when they're not showing any? You understand? So, and I was the guy that used to collect all the buoys from the fishermen that were getting bit by white sharks up here. And I'd send them into the government and I'd send them into universities and stuff like that. So the fishermen would call me and say, I got another bite and I'd get them to collect the bite and take pictures and I'd send them away, get it confirmed and whatever. So then once we got our own equipment, no longer was it worthwhile for anybody to not talk about sharks. So that's when the, and then we got pumpkin. So I don't know if you remember pumpkin, but she was uh, three or four years ago. And she came to Windsor. Of course, Windsor's known for the pumpkin capital of Canada, uh -huh. basically. So pumpkin was not named after Windsor. She was named by a person that uh, um, wanted to name it after whether just they some you can you can apply to name these sharks, right? Like you can pay money yes. into the Massachusetts government, and they'll give you and they'll let you name a shark. So this person wanted to call a shark pumpkin. And I, it must have been cute or something, right? Anyways, pumpkin ended up in Windsor, and she stayed up here for quite a while, right? Wow. So I tracked her. And of course, once once you start doing those stories, and I pumped the stories out, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I didn't like OTN got involved, and DFO got involved, and then everybody was like, "Okay, we better start talking about these sharks." And the way it went, right? It's pretty cool. That's that's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's very interesting too because uh, you wouldn't think that you'd have void sharks. In well, we always had area. them. That's the thing. If the fishermen always knew they were here, because I mean, the tuna fishermen would have them biting their tuna, chasing their tuna. The lobster fishermen would have them biting their boobies and chasing their traps up in the boats. So the fishermen that are out there in the water, they there was no nothing new to them. But the normal public weren't being told the truth. I don't know whether it's because it's a serialistic species and it complicates industry in the ocean, or it's people there's government is scared you're gonna get scared and not go swimming. I don't I don't know what it is, but people need to understand this stuff. I had one woman write me in five hours two years ago, and she said would it be possible that there was a white shark over in five islands the other day? And I said, what day? And I just downloaded and she says, well, I was out swimming and there's this fin went by me. And I'm like, well, we probably should get the frigate of the water. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, and I'm not you, saying you a shark was gonna, and a shark didn't attack her. So it wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, I looked at my receivers and sure enough, there was a white shark on my receivers in five islands at the exact time that that woman called and asked me about wow. so in all honesty if she had a thought there was a potential white shark there it did not kill her it did not bite her it did not hurt her it didn't even harass her but it could have mm -hmm. and maybe she would have made a different decision and when she's seen a shark leave the water <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't know i just thought it was a pretty uh i would have left the damn water i'm not gonna swim with them there's no way you're getting me to swim with them not a chance not for happening. myself nope. either nope. that wouldn't happen but nope. it's uh it, it's interesting though because uh it just shows how you're willing to engage to the point where, hey, it's not only am I a fisherman, but I'm looking at other topics here, like the research, the science. I've created my own organization. I've gotten into things. I'm, I'm there. I must commend you on that, Darren, because uh, the fish passage, uh, although you're a commercial fisherman and you yet you do research and all that, to, to have a commercial fisherman, uh, like yourself as well, fight for fish passage. 
it's is relatively unheard of for the most part. It's uh, it's something there that uh, us guys in the recreation world we we appreciate it because it just shows, right? Like uh, I'll touch on one uh, one topic here briefly in Cape Breton where uh, we had uh, uh, we were contacted by uh, the feds. Obviously, uh, it would have been uh, trying to remember the part. Oh, uh, uh, CWS, a division of uh, Canadian Wild. Uh, wildlife service uh so under uh environment and climate change they were going to put a designation out uh here on one of the the bird sanctuaries they were extending the bird sanctuary now when we we looked at things darren and it was like i looked at the maps and i said jesus and i said okay this is encompassing recreational stuff this is encompassing commercial eelers uh commercial smelters gas growers uh as well it uh it it then breached out on the other side uh, and the bird sanctuary is big lace bay beach for anybody that wants to research farther down and then we realized that the designation that was there for protection they wanted to call it a, a national wildlife area which encompasses many more protections and it actually exceeded out into the water obviously uh out into the ocean to be more specific which affected lobster fishermen and us guys being recreational guys we said hold it there's more than just us being recreational there's commercial guys here that are eel smelt gasparo as well as uh you've got lobster fishermen and uh, rock crabbers uh so anyway we we had put it to them did you guys reach out being the government and uh they said no we didn't and when i started raising a, a, a number of questions uh it kind of rattled them because it was like, uh-oh, this organization knows a lot more than we assume they may know. Exactly. And yeah. now we we were going to run this consultation process without engagement by commercial guys. Mm. So we took the bull by the horns, and I met with the, the local rep, uh, Herb, here, and uh, we had discussed things for the, the local uh, lobsters, and uh, I'll tell you, it uh, it got the ball going. Uh, they were basing their uh, their numbers off a of sixty year old GPS data that they had. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, come on, get with the times. We're in the well. The thing is, though, that stuff usually starts with a political motivation, and they send people out to do a certain job. And and in a lot of cases, they don't really understand who's around. So unless somebody steps up like yourself and tells them, they don't know. And if you're if you're not watching, the problem in this world is people don't know how the system works. Like if there's a like a lot of times you won't know about a problem until it's too late. Like if you got a proponent coming, um, say it's a power company going to dam a river up. Well, they put out a, a, a public notice. If you don't buy the newspaper, you won't see it. And when mm -hmm. your buddy's in buy it, he won't see it. And then you have a thirty day window to comment on it. If you don't miss that, if you miss that thirty day window, you've missed your best opportunity. And chances are, it'll be years after that thirty day window before they start working. So mm -hmm. the time you see something hit the ground is when you usually find that it's happening. The best time for you to speak is long past. Mm -hmm. Like you literally have to have people like myself or you or somebody else sitting there diligently watching the system, you know, being connected with good connections and watching what's happening. Because if not, you're going to miss the show and, and things are going to bypass you and, and affect your community's life. I mean, these things affect rural Nova Scotia. They don't happen in Halifax. They happen in, in rural Nova Scotia. And in rural Nova Scotia, we have a smaller population. And, and a lot of people 
you know, consider us hicks or they label us nimbies. I love being called nimby. It's a derogatory term designed by the the institution. I'm called not in my backyard. That's what they call us when we fight for things in our backyard. Well, call me a nimby all you damn want, man. I'll fight for my backyard any day of the week. You know, mm-hmm. because if it's my way of life. You're forcing your way of life and some skyscraper in Halifax down my throat. That's mm-hmm. not how it's going to work around here. I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to fight for every inch you get if you want to destroy my backyard. And right? a lot of a lot of what uh, and, and I will give credit for credit where credit is due. Uh, uh, CWS at that time uh, had reached out to us, but uh, uh, when we spoke to them and I asked uh, said individual with that uh, file, I said, "Well, how many trips do you make out to this area a year? One, th- they make one trip out a year, and they spend four hours there, there." And I said, four hours does not justify things. So then they wanted to bring in DFO to find out how many commercial guys eel here, how many guys uh, Gaspro smelt, and they wanted to get numbers on recreation. And like we told them, we said, we can't put a, a number on how many people are there all the time because ourselves, we're not there all the time, right, to, to witness it. It's, it's open. So I noticed when they contacted DFO, DFO said, we're not there day in, day out when the seasons are open to, to check all the time how many people utilize it for each species and that. Like, you have to physically reach out to the ones in the know. And I, and I do give props to DFO uh, on that uh, for uh, putting uh, the Environment and Climate Change uh, Division, uh, the CWS division of that uh, department in, uh, in there. But it seems like they always try to do a public consultation or engagement so quick that they they want it fast track sped through. Uh, they don't want it if they take out an advertising. It's so small, and they make sure that it's put in a section of paper that's overlooked because somebody thinks it's a uh, just a junk mail advertisement in the newspaper, what have you. So it's it, it's interesting on how they try to, to move things forward. Yeah, exactly. And um, what you said to me there was. The one thing that you people should grab at what you just said is they contacted you. Now, why did they contact you? It's because you run something. You 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 bring people together. You're glue, or you're the you know you're spoke. You're the center of that wheel. You know, if you don't have people that run associations or federations or whatever like that, um, everybody's in the dark, man. Because if it wasn't for you and you put the podcast it with me, I use my Facebook. I've had so many so many government people despise my facebook you wouldn't believe i said one one time call it cnn you know what i mean it's like i said i said well you guys are mad at me or something like that one time because i put on my facebook it's my personal page and mm-hmm. they, and the and it's like it's like they, they treated they, this is like f and cnn they said right it's because mm-hmm. the people that's on my facebook either hate me or they're interested in what i do there's there's haters on there don't get me wrong and, right and and with due respect to that darren the, this is the new like I had Minister Holland from New Brunswick on for episode two of this podcast uh, that I had created, and uh, like like he had uh, and I, I won't quote him exactly word for word, but he said this is the new media, something mm-hmm. along those lines where uh, we can publicly put stuff out there, uh, and it's it's unscripted. Like I'm not reading from a teleprompter mm-hmm. and being told what the writers want as a certain narrative. Uh, heaven forbid we've got organizations in Nova Scotia that, uh, that like that because they, they work with the media on 
presenting a narrative there. Yeah, I'm, not yeah. beating, I'm not beating up on the media, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, because you've got good media, you've got bad media, you've got good fishers, bad fishers. It, the list goes on and on. But, but you have a narrative there that sells news, unfortunately. And yep. bad news sells most times. Uh, it's it, it's a rough go on that note. But in, in the grand scheme of things, this and Facebook Live and other platforms that you can go live and show right off the hop, like it's, it's worth its weight in gold because you get the actual. No, it's raw. Yeah, it's raw. It's raw. It's raw. It's raw. People it's like raw. honesty, right? People, we, we, we crave honesty in our society. There's so much like um, garbage. I was almost swore again there. Sorry, but there's so much garbage in our society when it comes to, uh, I guess, I, don't, I hate to say the word fake news or whatever, but when you get, um, this stuff's raw. I had an old uh, radio guy one time. He used to do a bunch of shows with me, and he just loved me because I'm raw. Like, I'm trying to be good here and keep my sailor tongue to myself a bit, but I haven't but, heard uh, enough job myself trying to hold. Oh no, yeah. So, anyways, um, he he explained to me people don't want to hear that stuff no more, right? That they're being fed like animals. You know, what I mean, they're getting power fed like a chicken in a factory, right? Mm-hmm. They want to hear the raw truth. So he wouldn't ever cut or anything. When we did radio shows with him, it was a two hour radio show, and he just get me going. We start talking about tidal power, right? Because people think, oh, that won't hurt nothing. They're told it won't hurt nothing. They're told fish will avoid it. Well, okay. You know, when it comes to avoid, how the frig you know that? They're not even looking at the turbines with their gear, right? I mean, they say, well, it won't kill fish. Well, how do you know that? They've never looked for mortality around a single goddamn one. I mean, if you started studying this stuff, you'd learn this stuff, right? But people just take what they're fed. They just take it, and they suck it in. They run with it, right? Darren, that reverts back to what I had mentioned there about uh, boots on the ground approach. Like, Hmm. you are boots on the ground for that stuff in that area, Uh, like, like it's one thing with saying, okay, and I, I'm not trying to beat up on people, but if it sounds like that, I apologize in advance, obviously, but, but you've got the boots, boots on the ground approach, like yourself, me, many others, right. That see something and we want to correct it. If you give me a, if you give me a no answer and think I'm going away, you, you just gave me a challenge that I'm willing yeah. to, to try. You just to, made it, you just made it fun. Yeah. It, it, and, and Darren, it's, it's great to meet somebody that sees that in the same light as me because I thrive on it. Uh, the, the big thing with it is, though, like the boots on the ground is one thing. We had mentioned earlier about officers and enforcement people where where they have issues as well, where they want to say stuff. They do say stuff, but it falls on deaf ears because management doesn't want to move it up the line. Uh, for, for whatever reason, it's uh, irrelevant, obviously, at this point. But... But you do have some good people, but they're limited on what they can do. Uh, unlike us guys, it's unscripted. We call a spade a spade. Uh, I'll be honest. We, I've, I've had uh, government uh, officials that uh, get mad at me over things. Uh, and uh, you know what? I welcome it because if, if you're getting mad at me, it's because I'm poking you with the hot poker to the point where you're getting worried. Uh, yeah. And uh, and that's what we need, uh, obviously, here in uh in the, the Atlantic uh, region, uh, more guys like yourself. It's 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 homegrown too because hey, it's it's something there. You see it firsthand. It's it's not a and, well for and, me. It's alive. When I look at the river, it's alive. It's a living organism. When when you're in an office, it's very hard to see it the same way I do. And I, I piss people off sometimes, and it really bugs me when I make them mad because they're good people. 
But at the same time, when I look at that water, that's part of my life. That's who I am. I live in that water, you know. And, and, and when I look at it, it's like uh, me and Isabel Knockwood had it. She's a famous First Nation lady. And Doreen Bernard, another one of Cheryl Maloney, one day was sitting around uh, a fire up in Sabaganogdy. And, uh, and I explained how I see my river. And Isabel was getting all excited, right? And she's like, well, you got to draw a picture. We got to draw a picture, right? You know, and. And she goes, oh my God, she goes, it's like, it's like, it's like, um, it was like uh, blood vessels running through a vein was a fish, right? You know, mm -hmm. and to us, it's a living organism. It's alive. It means something that's cherished, right? I mean, I don't just harvest fish. I give back far more than I take. And there's nobody can argue that because there's very few people in this province that open up as many rivers as I'm going to open up in my lifetime. So at the end of the day, I'm going to give far back more, more than I take. And because I, I cheer, it's spiritual to me almost, and that, that might sound crazy, but it's not. I mean, I live, I fish in a place that's, all Nova Scotia is beautiful. If I fish in the Minas Basin, there's a reason that the First Nations picked that as the central of Mi'kmaq, right? Because it is an insanely powerful location. And I don't care who you are. Look at the province that comes to look at Cape Split, they come look at Blomden, and it's taking pictures of all time. Partridge Island, which is Mi'kmaq Heaven. There's a reason these places are powerful for the last 10,000 years or however long they've been powerful, because they are powerful spiritual places. So when you fight me and you're a government person and, and, and say that you don't understand me yet or whatever, you're fighting from a black and white kind of um, paper point of view or a computer screen. You're fighting an individual that loves his backyard, that's spiritual to him. That's alive. That's connect. I'm connected to it. You can't beat me. Like you can't. And I, when I go into a battle, and I try to fight them as fair as possible, I'm not going in to lose. Like you know what I mean. And and, and I have more invested in this than you're ever going to have invested from Halifax or anywhere else. This is my backyard, and I will protect it to the end of my days. And that's just how it is, right? And I respect everybody. I respect everybody I work with in the government. I respect even the ones that don't like me. And I look at their good points. I never look at their bad points. Um, like you mentioned Nova Scotia Power before. Um, there's nobody besides probably governments that have gone up against as hard as Nova Scotia Power. And at the end of the day, there's a, they have a lady that worked for them. Her name was Jay Wamsley. Uh, Wamsley, I think that's how you say it. Anyways, she was my nemesis, right, you know, in a room. And she was an intelligent, absolutely elegant, intelligent lady, right? But she was ruthless when it comes to fish and, and stuff like that against me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But we gained such a respect for each other by the time it was over, even though we never agreed on anything. There was never once we ever agreed. Mm -hmm. But when she retired the spring, I sent her a letter and said, you know, I respect, you know, and it's, it's like I was a challenge to go up against you on a constant basis. We actually became not friends, but we actually became like a, it was a mutual respect of our, our diligence to, to fight our side. She worked for Nova Scotia Power. I worked for the fishermen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like we never took it personal. It was never personal, right? And you can't make it personal. Like, I don't take it personal ever. Like, I just yeah. don't because it no. can't be taken personal. And when you, you know, I don't know. The one thing I'd like to leave you with, if you're leaving. No, 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 we're not okay. leaving. I got, uh, I got some time here. If you do, Darren, okay. uh, we yeah, got I a do. couple I other do. questions here. So. We go back to the beginning. There's something I, I meant to explain. I don't think I explained. When you have an issue, is anybody watching this that spends this much time watching? They're going to have to be interested, or they're going to hate us. One or the other, right? 
So, so basically what you have to realize is you're not always right. You know, I've been wrong before. Mm-hmm. We are, so, man. so, and if you're not willing to learn the whole, whole thing, you've already lost simply because for me, I believe in three types of knowledge, right? There's academic, traditional, and local. And if you're not willing to learn each one and put the time in, you likely shouldn't walk down this road that we're going down here because you'll never be effective unless you do super effective. You must respect each one and you must learn each one. Um, And it's not that hard. You just have to care enough to do it. Right. But if you don't, if you look up the definition of wisdom, I do this at all my lectures in the university that I've done. If you look up the definition of wisdom, there's nowhere in that definition does it say an academic is wise. There's nowhere in that, that, definition doesn't say I'm um, a traditional holder is wise. There's nowhere in it doesn't say that a that um a local person or actual knowledge or whatever you want to call it is wise. It takes all knowledges to be wise. Mm-hmm. And that's something you should really think about and people really should start thinking about like in our governments and stuff and our in our science and stuff. If you're not willing to try to understand other people as well as policies, as well as acts, as well as different sides of things you're not going nowhere you really aren't you're just not like you you mentioned the moose hunt that had to be a hard issue for you that's you know you you know what darren uh there's to to roll back time you would change things if i had to do it over again i i wouldn't change a thing because it uh it built such a strong bond with enigma and it it took the, the Mi'kmaq from being here and us from being there and you had the government in the middle. It took the government out of the, the aspect and you it took outside organizations and the Mi'kmaq to work as one to go and meet with government and say, hey, here's the changes that have to be done. Now, did the government listen to us and the Mi'kmaq on a lot of stuff? No. Did the government listen on some stuff? Yes. But it's like everything. You can't get everything you want, unfortunately. No. And in the the look at your or the the kind of comment there briefly on your comment you made there about uh, uh, the I guess it's th- third eye seeing yeah uh, aspect. But you got it's two eyed seeing as Albert Marshall from Cape Breton. So he 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 coined two eyed seeing, and some people have taken it um, and made it just a academic First Nation thing. I don't think that's how we intended it at all. I've talked to some people pretty close to me. He's actually got a, supposed to be coming up my boat this year. Okay. March. He's supposed to be through a program that we're doing with OTN. Hopefully it happens and this COVID stuff gets over, right? Because I would love to have Albert Marshall on my boat. You know what because, I mean? Because the way I look at things is a little different. Uh, it, it's similar to the way you look at things. Like you have, the way I see it is we have organizations doing good. We have government uh and then we have, uh, well, we have outside organizations, the Mi'kmaq, and then you have government. And most times the, the government, unfortunately, uh, they, uh, they, they hit us with stuff to the point there where, okay, we've got policy, we've got laws, regulations, and whatnot. Okay, well, how can we change that? Like, don't be looking and being narrow focused on what's on the paper we want to actually see what is is happening uh 
or what can happen when you're not so narrow focused? Like, give us the, the benefit of the doubt. What and, you need uh, to do is get your whole community to stand up and get your politician to do that. That's the easiest way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the truth, the too. Hey, you if know you, what? The, you, po the politicians have so much power, Darren, when it comes oh, to insane. fish and wildlife. They, they neglect to use it because they are fearful of the bureaucrats, and that's my opinion, right? Uh, see, I don't know. It's a, I think it's a, it's a, it works both ways. I think it's uh, it's one of those ones we could talk about all night because it's you know different situations are different. Um, I think a lot of times a politician gets an idea, and the politician goes and talks to his senior minister or deputy minister and his directors and said, "Well, how can I make this idea work?" And the, those people have been in the job so long, they said, well, we got this problem over here. We got this problem over here. If you do this, we can bypass this. Maybe if you do this over here, we got to bypass that or something like that, right? So they've already got most things figured. Like a politician makes a lot of shit happen. Oops. They, they, they do. Uh, some, some do, some don't, obviously. It's like everything in life. Hmm. Uh, one, one good example, and I know you follow uh, us guys, is the bald eagle that we had acquired for our organization. Darren, you wouldn't believe in four years, we were told, no, stop asking. You'll never get one. You'll never do this. Well, it took myself a year to go over policy and look at a pile of different stuff. And I'm saying, really? Like, we should be able to tailor something here because there's, I won't say loopholes, but there's, there's exceptions in the policy that are allowable for this. Why aren't they being used? So when we tailored it, uh, like I've, I'll be honest, when it comes to letter writing, I'm the worst at that, but I had, a, a an older gentleman in our organization that's, uh, great. Uh, and, uh, I'll tell you when we tailored it together, uh, geez, Darren, it, within a week, we had permission from the government. Exactly. You did their work for them, right? It's, it was, do. It, it was like, here we go. Like, this is something we've been told no by local offices and whatnot. And and when it, everything came together, Darren, and I'll I'll fast forward to make it a short story, obviously, uh, it, it ended up becoming something so surreal that we had compliments by top officials, uh, bureaucratical officials uh, in other government departments saying, wow, like you guys – went above and beyond where this was going like we never expected this congratulations it's it, it it pans out but it darren i'll be honest for anybody that watches the the podcast tonight and thinks that uh hurdles whether or not they're fish or wildlife related and dealing with government think that it's uh, a walk in the park totally no. not a walk in the no park. if you want something you gotta dig you gotta you gotta I mean, dig I, i'm telling you i bet you entitled power alone one year, I spent $5,000 of my own money in ink for my printer and paper. I believe it. That's just ink and paper for me taking study after study after study off. People say, I went through three printers that year. I, I actually ruined three printers that year. Wow. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you want something, you're going to have to work for it. There's no freebies here, right? You know, if you just got to want it. You got to want to protect something. If, and the problem with me is, um, you probably get this now by talking to you. I probably realize you're already there is once you understand how the wheels turn and once you understand how this really works, it's some hard to walk away. It is. It is so hard because, you know, there's so much good that can be done if you find the way to make it happen. 
it's almost like a responsibility after a while to continue. For sure. It is. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hard to walk away now. It's, I see it's, stuff on, you know, can you read media? When I, when I see something on TV now, I can almost tell by the way they're talking, they're hiding something. Just by the way they use their words, because they have really, I call them wordsmiths. I'm extremely impressed by it. I find it sad that it's done, because I don't like it, because it's misleading the public, right? But um, it's it's amazing that they can word things in a way to make your mind think one way, while mm -hmm. they're directing you another way. Mm -hmm. Like, leading you away, and they're making you, okay, this is fixed, this is okay. But that's not really what they said. You didn't read the words close enough. A lot of times you got to really slow down and say, did they actually say what I think they said? Um, and it's, it's almost like uh, would, should, could. Yeah, exactly. And, and then my back of my neck, when I hear the key words that I'm used to, when I'm reading an article, my back of my neck, the hairs will stand up and say, what am I missing? What are they lying about? Where's it coming from? And then I got to go find out, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, if it's something like, you know, if they're not lying, they don't use those words. They don't use those phrases, right? So I don't know. It's, I don't know if you've got there or not where you can read an article. And right. as soon as you read it, you can send it to 10 of your buddies. And they're going, oh, no, that's, that's the spice. No, no, you did not read that close enough. They did not say that, right? That's, so, that's, that's like you could ask 10 enforcement officers the same question individually and get 10 different answers. Sometimes, yes. So it's uh, it's 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 almost a similar situation. Uh, I know I have a comment here that came in, Darren, uh, yep. under the comments, and maybe you can answer this better than I could. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it should display there. Uh, Leo Hashi, uh, just an amateur fisher here. Are we able to keep rock crab or dungeonist, or is a special license needed in New Brunswick? Well, I don't know New Brunswick rules, bud, but. Um, I do know that um, if he uh, leaves it with me, I can find a name for him to ask. There's okay. a good guy, actually, the head of um, Special Investigations, I believe, in Nova Scotia. His name was Noel. He's now New Brunswick's head guy. And he's an exceptional man. If you have any questions, he'll bend over backwards to help you. And he's top of the shelf, too. Like, you don't get no higher, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, Noel Dontremont, I think, is who you're going to have to ask to, to get that answer. And he just, uh, he's an exceptional guy, actually. I got tons of respect for him. And you know what, Darren, if you got a contact or whatever, maybe you can private message him uh, through the comments later. Yeah. Uh, See if I can find it. Just uh, to send me, if you don't mind, if I can't figure it out, because I've never done this kind of podcast before. Okay, yeah. yeah but uh, to send it, and I can try to find out the information for him. But uh, he's got some, he's got a really good enforcement uh, guy over there that's running the show over there, I think. So, okay. So, Leo, so, unfortunately, we didn't have uh, an answer to that question, obviously, but uh, we will. Uh, one thing for sure, he can't sell it without a license. I can tell him that part. <laughs> you know. Darren will try to help you with a contact in New Brunswick that it would have an hard. answer to that. I'm sure they're watching us, actually. Be honest um, with you. I, I'm sure they are because it's, uh, it's been broadcast for a little bit there, and uh, I'm watching the analytics there and the views and that. So, uh, who knows who's watching now? Uh, yeah, I mean, on my Facebook, it's interesting. If you actually knew who was on it, it would blow your mind, right? There's more politicians and enforcement and government officials on there, and you can shake a stick at, right? And some of them are there because they like me. Some of them are because they don't like me, right? I don't really care. Yeah. Leo said he would appreciate that, uh, Darren. So uh, I'll uh, I'll connect you with his uh, info. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I'll find out for him. It's not a hard thing to find out, right? Like that's that's the other thing too. I wish we could find a way. That's something I got to try to work on too. Um, I get public asking me in my area all the time about what they can and can't do, and especially clams and stuff like that, right? It's hard to um, find that. And well, it's and super the... freaking hard. I mean, I mean, honestly, our public should have more access to the resource. Bottom line. So I, I'm a, I'm an advocate, and I get in trouble with my commercial fishermen's friends sometimes. But in BC, if you, you can go out and catch crabs with crab traps and you can go catch halibut and you can take them home and feed your family that nutritious food from your backyard and it's good for the economy it's good for everybody and we don't have a shortage of lobster here we don't have a shortage of halibut here and we're not allowed here but we are allowed on the other side of our country right mm -hmm. think and, about that and think and, about and that it, for a minute it's 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 funny <laughs> you should bring that up because it was a, a situation there that i wasn't uh I didn't have, I still had three other topics to touch on here, but uh, it was something there that I wasn't going to touch on. But since you brought it up there and I'll touch on it, uh, uh, Sterling Bellevue, uh, who used to be the minister for inland fisheries in the province. Uh, I have worked with Sterling and his group uh, on the, the South Shore, I believe it is. Uh, uh, th they have a tremendous wealth of information on how that's been lost and removed and and how to get it back uh, there's some hurdles there obviously and uh, i haven't reached out to sterling in a while to, to to realize that and i know i uh i personally had uh, a bit of you a, know how easy it is to get it back they just gotta change the law they do it all the time this isn't complicated shit i mean this is a public resource right I'm, I'm not I'm not familiar on the numbers off the top of my head anymore, but uh, I believe there was a 10% allocation that was for recreational back in the 80s, yeah. uh, and it was removed to go to commercial. Now I'm not trying to create a a, a peeing match here between commercial and recreational. But you're not you're not you're having a conversation. If people and, can't handle that's their problem. And anyway, Sterling has done his homework and. Uh, He's, uh, he's, he's been working diligently on trying to, to get that back, him and others on the South Shore. And uh, I'm the lone ranger up here in Cape Breton, I guess, that said, hey, I, I support this well, on behalf of recreational if, guys. In PEI, you can go out and get a smelt recreational license, right? Mm -hmm. Right? And I and um, any citizen can go into DFO and spend five bucks, or you could 10 years ago when I was, you know, but I think you probably still can. And that allows you to take your children out into that public resource and catch a few smelts for a feed. You're not mm -hmm. allowed to sell them, and you shouldn't sell them. And if you do sell them, you should be fined so goddamn heavy. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable because that's not a commercial license. But you do ha you should have the privilege to go harvest your food out of that public resource, right? And I and, and Nova Scotia you can't do that. And it also teaches people, like, all I am, in my opinion, is a graduated recreational fisherman. I grew up recreationally fishing, right? I loved recreational fishing. I graduated, in my opinion, to commercial. And then I graduated from commercial to commercial academic collection of data. So I'm just a graduate of my system, right? So, so basically, at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, we shouldn't be fighting amongst ourselves. The public should have more access. What would be wrong with you having two traps and you putting them out and catching your sucker? You're not going to be able to eat lobster every day, but you're going to go buy a boat. You're going to go buy a motor. You're going to take your kids into a healthy environment. You're going to have more stake in the environment. Because once you start using that water, 
you're going to protect that water. It's... You're not going to be sitting there making fun of or sitting there being jealous of the fisherman's son with a big truck, right? I hate that part. Darren, yeah. it's it's it's, mm. it's 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 it amazes me how much we have in common because when they started this uh, recreational fishery that uh, uh, for twenty two dollars they want to charge us guys in Atlantic Canada that's New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, Newfoundland, and Nova Scotia uh, for a recreational uh, sea fish license, I guess I could say, uh, mm. or salt water license as DFO refers to it as uh, when. I was fortunate to uh, make a surprise appearance, but I bit my tongue at some of their consultations in the mainland or on the mainland, sorry, uh, just because I said, you know what, I'm going to see if this corresponds with what they bring to Cape Breton. Uh, their, their consultation meeting that they had with recreational fishers on whether or not we supported it or not in member two. Uh, was something there. I asked questions and I used comparisons in that and said, well, this wasn't what you guys presented to a group in uh, the, the consultation on the mainland. I'm like, we're all one province. I said, why is it different? And when I started doing some digging and I did uh, an ATIP, which is just a glorified FOI pop uh, at the federal level, uh, Darren, they couldn't find any documents for New Brunswick or anything. Mm. They, they, they had no records. And I get into it at, with that time uh, with uh, with Lauren here locally, uh, who was in member two and Greg Stevens. Uh, and, oh, my. Uh, we know the same people. So. So, yeah. So anyway, I've had a few I, battles with those names myself, my brother. So so I, uh, <laughs> I, I've i openly engaged them at this public consultation. And then I told them point blank. I said, I hope you guys had the records because I'm coming. And since I foy popped, it seemed like everything slowed down because how many, how many times they lied to you? Oh, you wouldn't yeah. believe the inconsistency. Unbelievable. And, and, and the FOI pop had shown that, and they tried to backtrack. And I asked a, a question there on, uh, on how that would affect a, a certain group. And uh, anyway, my questions were like taboo, and I was, I was worse than the current COVID-19 situation. You know what? You know what? Uh, Mi'kmaq, a, a good friend of mine, the Mi'kmaq Conservation Group, which is a senior manager, he, uh, he calls me the lepra. So, so basically, um, and, and it's meant in a good way because he's my friend, right? But it's like they will avoid my questions and me, like the plague, unless they're good people. You know what I mean? Like if the ones that are lawyers and stuff, mm -hmm. I mean, and the ones that have different agendas, I'm actually, my nickname's a lepra. Yeah, they don't, they don't want nothing to do with me, right? So it's kind of fun. But with the, with, you know, you can win the halibut. So let's, let's try something here. The halibut one, the province is actually, I had a meeting with the province two months ago. And I've been pushing this for a long time. We have some silly laws out there that could change and make the public's life a lot better, in my opinion. And make and it's better nutrition for a public. It's better recreation than video games and all this other stuff, you know. Mental health, etc. Et mental et health, all these things. And it's, and it's just damn good money for the province, right? Because hmm. people are going to start investing in different activities you know what I mean? Not buying an Xbox from China or something like that. They buy a boat in Halifax or Dartmouth or Sydney or somewhere like that. They buy a motor. They get stopped and get gas at the gas station. You know, and they buy more fishing gear, hooks from Rainbow Net and Rigging or whatever. But halibut can be won very easily right now because the province is actually entertaining the idea. They don't even want to look at lobster. And it should be done. We should have a lobster fishery. There's individuals in DFO that agree with that. 
but the politics got to because hold, they, hold that thought for one second, Darren. I want to chime in here before I lose my train of thought. Yeah. That's that recreational license, saltwater license that they looked at when I dealt with Greg Stevens and I dealt with uh, Lauren and them at the consultations and that mm. I requested same as in the mainland that uh, lobster be on there, right? As, mm. as shark and tuna mm. and halibut. And, mm. and I asked them for their list of ground fish and uh, they didn't have it at the consultation. Greg actually had to get it to me days later, which he did. And I'm saying, well, why, why aren't all these species there? And at the consultation, I had raised this very question. I said, put it on the damn license. But I said, have a zero retention. It, and then it leaves it open for down the road in the event it can or could be open, that mm. it's already there. Because if you nix it from something right away, you'll never get the God darn thing out. Can you imagine the tourism we'd have if we could take people uh, halibut fishing? Oh. Can you Tremendous. imagine? Can you Tremendous. imagine the possibilities of taking a tourist out, um, or or taking an individual out that doesn't have a boat? The jobs that can be created. I mean, you're not you can't sell your fish. I mean, you got to either re, you know release it or you you um, retain it and eat it. Mm -hmm. But they're they're missing the boat, man. Like they're really missing the boat here, and it really comes down to um, you, you got to make it their idea. That's what I've learned about the Nova Scotia Department of Fisheries and Agriculture, or Agriculture, right? Is if you don't make it their idea, they won't do it. You need to make them look good. You got to find a way to make them look. They thrive on looking good, right? So they want a winner. So you need to find a way, or we need to find a way, or the people need to find a way so they can look good. And if mm -hmm. you can make them look good, they will potentially do it. And I think we have a chance for halibut. Lobster's going to be harder. I don't think right now, you know, instead of shutting down lobster seasons, I mean, I can understand they shut it down for COVID. That's what they want to do, but they can't shut half of them for one and leave the other one running. So it's not about COVID. It's about economics, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, but they, they put all the right uh, eggs in one basket. They're selling them to China. Well, why don't we, sub instead of subsidizing people sitting home on their asses, why don't we subsidize them to go sell the, lobster to the public of Nova Scotia to put in their damn freezers. How many people wouldn't want to buy subsidized lobsters to put in their freezer right now and have better food instead of eating junk food, right? It's and true. You know, I don't know. It, things it's, aren't so simple. I guess and, we look at them as simple, but... And, and you know what, Darren? Like, you and I both have a different outlook with uh, Nova Scotia fisheries and uh, aquaculture. Now, my experience with them, I've... I've never had any issues with them per se. Yes, because uh, they look after they look after inland waters. See, with me, it's it. It, it was uh, we, we had more hurdles with them when they had to take our request to DFO. Mm. That seemed to be the the breakdown, right? With, with stuff, unfortunately. But uh, I guess it, it's it, individuals it too. Often. Another thing too is individuals are different. I mean, who you deal with for inland fisheries is not the same as who I would deal with for what I'm dealing with, right? And then a lot of it comes down to the individual. If you've got somebody in a job that considers themselves a public servant in the way that we think they are, right? Mm -hmm. And they really do care about the environment or they care about your fish or they care about your voice, you will get a far better outcome than if you get one that's just putting in time, right? Because I've had, I've had them look at me and said, you cost me four hours this morning. That's how they think <laughs> about me and my work, right? They said far worse than that, but I won't say that here. 
but they've already mm -hmm. I've already said it formally in letters, but but basically to the government themselves. But you know, when they look at me as costing them an hour of their time, who the fuck pays your paychecks, right? You know, it's the people of this province, man. If I'm mm -hmm. bringing up a concern that's valid, and tell me if they've never been able to say one of my concerns weren't valid, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, these are big issues I work on. So if I'm and, sorry I cost you an hour of your time, what was you going to do, take family day today? I mean, I don't mean no offense, but I don't get family day. You know, you poor, poor man, you, right? It's it's funny when you do A-tips and that and foy pops because that really eats up their days uh, yeah. uh, digging through stuff. Uh, Did you ever foy pop your own name? I have, actually. Yeah, how'd that work out for you? Very interesting, Darren. Yes, exactly. It's, so my, uh, my, yeah. It's uh, the, the red flag system or whatever. Uh, you wouldn't think that exists, but uh, it does I'm exist. Sure it does. Oh, believe me. Uh, because uh, the, the names uh, in computer systems are synonymous. I, I love it when uh, when I get one and it says uh, it says uh, a third party has requested uh, a FOI pop. Do you wish to uh, have your information redacted? Yes. It's yeah. it's like you know what? Hey, it is what it is, right? Uh, oh, but but the, uh, you know, I didn't know. That's another thing we should probably tell people that's watching this if they want to get involved and fight for these things they care about, whatever it is is when I started this journey, I didn't understand there was a FOIPOT system. I didn't understand that when I wrote something, it had, it, you get a different answer than when you make a phone call. So a lot of times, if you, you know the right person to call, you can have an off-the-record conversation. It's not really called that. But you'll get a far different answer than when you put an email. In an email, they're trained to cover their asses, and they're basically trained to not make mistakes with the words. So they can tell you very little, very little. And you get back basically media lines, but sometimes it's necessary to send an email. Frig, I mean, I can't even, I don't even know. Like, I'm telling you, you it, should watch yourself, right? It's, it's funny because they run it through, like sometimes you'll get answers that are run through communications. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pre it's prescripted. It's funny when you do a foy pop on yourself because you see yeah. where communications took over and yeah. and uh, had their hands in the the the, the editing format. Of I can't it. wait to do one on the Windsor Causeway. I've been at that so long. I haven't done it yet, but I'm I'm getting ready to do it once I uh, once this goes much farther because uh, it's there's it's a long journey. And so, I'm going to pop my name. I'm going to just avoid pop my name in relation with the Windsor Causeway someday and see how it works. Out. Great. So <laughs> I got a couple of quick questions there, and I got a viewer yeah. comment there again. Uh, uh, just uh, minus, uh, what uh, what work uh, or groups do you work with, Darren? Uh, I know you mentioned uh, CCM or uh, CMM. Uh, yeah, so we better work see with mainland uh, we work, Yeah, MCG, which is, is, the, is the body that represents um, the science body that represents CMM, which is the chiefs, the mainland chiefs. I work with Sabaganogity because they're not, they're part of CMM, I guess, but not part of KMK, no. Um, which is complicated. It takes a long time to learn uh, that. I'm, I'm familiar with that. That's a yeah, Most people aren't, day. though. So, I mean, that's the first thing people should do if they want to try to understand First Nations is try to learn their, learn their governance, right? At least take the time to learn how their structure works, right? Anyways, um, I work with St. Mary's a little bit. I work with Dow a fair bit. I work with Katie a lot. Um, I do contracts for um, what I consider responsible title power companies. Um, if they're responsible, they're not hurting. If they have technology that won't hurt um, the marine, uh, marine ecosystem, I'll work with them. If they don't, I won't. Um, 
I work with the federal government a little bit, um, a little bit, not a whole lot because it's a different contracting procedures and stuff like that. I work with the province. I've contracted with the province and stuff like that. So, I mean, I work with just about pretty much anybody, really. I mean, that it's like that. And I, and I also work with all the fishermen, right? So, well, I work with everybody, basically, except for nobody wants to admit it sometimes, right? <laughs> well, that's, uh, it happens sometimes. Now, uh, here's one. What type of fish do you, do you study, Darren? Is there any specific species of uh, fish? Uh, yep. And uh, what's the process involved? I know I brought some pictures up here earlier, and I can bring them up again. I know well, each each study is different, and it's for a different reason. Um, right now, we're studying uh, tidal barriers. That one there is atomic cod, which is, is part of a study for tidal barriers. So we're trying to figure out if atomic cod are making it through to their spawning grounds, right, in different areas. So we're tagging them in three different rivers up home, plus the Shuby. So there's five, five different river systems that were being tagged in, in the Montana's Basin. And we're trying to understand where they're going, where they're spawning. Um, we've only found, confirmed one spawning location, which is an... Um, a little brook in the Shuby, which, you know, before we started this, people could look at us and they'd say, well, they spawn at all the rivers or they spawn all over the place or they can. Well, maybe they can, but they don't. Mm -hmm. um, we have we have no evidence that they do. So we're trying to find, um, you know, whether they're making it through the barriers, whether they're spawning. Um, the province takes the information, they do what they want with it. The feds take the information, they do what they want with it. Um, the universities take the information, they do what they want with it, and the First Nation takes it, and they do what they want with it. Everybody has a different objective with it, basically. But the nice thing about our programs is, what I really love about what I've done in my life, is we've got a system now that has no silos. Which we, What that means is, is before, everybody was working in their own little silo nobody wanted to share anything they want their own sandbox i used to do it when i did my presentation at universities i actually take a picture of a sandbox in and you guys don't want to let us in your sandbox you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. there it's like, you know what i mean and that's how i see it now with us we have some pretty cool programs going right now where all of us share every day what what i what i'm very proud of is in when i first started working with scientists i had something that really bugged me is they sent students out, which everybody has to learn. There's a lot of good students. I'm not shitting on students, right? Mm -hmm. But they send them out. They don't really know what they're doing yet. They're taught to be instant professionals, which they're not, right? They have to learn. And some of them are more diligent than others. So they'll leave their books in the back of a tractor, my weir, or the boat, or the dog would eat it next door, and they lose that data. And it used to irritate me that they wouldn't do the data up until the end of the season. So with us, we have a program that when we take that data down, that data is uploaded on a daily basis into a cloud that can be accessed by the chiefs at CMM and the MCG, the university professors, DFO, on an instant daily basis. We're the only ones doing it. We're the most efficient that we know of. We, I've actually had a compliment the other day from one of the most uh, highest senior scientists in DFO. He was like, I can only wish we were part, half that efficient, right? Now mm -hmm. that's a compliment, right? Wow. You know what I mean? Because we, we're trying to be, we're, we're living up to a bar that's higher than what's being done because we have to. Because we've got people that want to knock us down but at the same time, we have people respecting what we're doing. 
because we share everything. There's nothing we don't share. Mm-hmm. We're no longer treating data as a commodity, which is what it is in most settings or has been. People don't share their data. Well, that's not doing the ecosystem any good because a professor doesn't want to share his data because he's somebody scared somebody else will publish it before he is and he won't get his raise at the university or whatever. We don't care about raises. We care about the river. We care about the fish. We care about the communication between DFO and us. Your, your, want, your heart's in the right place for conservation. Well, well the thing is, is if, if you're not sharing your information, your heart is not in the right place. And nor is your mind, because you have an alternative motive, ulterior motive, right? We don't have an ulterior motive. We want the situation to be the best it can for the fish. If those fish flourish, we flourish. That is just how it is. If those fish don't flourish, we do not flourish. Whether we're recreational, commercial, or Aboriginal, or DFO. Because it doesn't make DFO look pretty good when our fish stocks are dropping. They're the ones that are supposed to manage it, right? That's true. So there's a reflection upon their management skills, bottom line. So we need to open up these rivers. It's been deemed, people don't realize this, there's not much drive within the government to, to fix our situations we're in with our coastal ecosystem because it doesn't seem to make them a lot of instant money which or instant votes. Um, and a lot of people don't like change. But if we had a flourishing coastal ecosystem again, like we did, right? Think about the, think about the public benefit to that. You know, it's it's immense. I mean, can, when you were a kid, I don't know about Cape Britain so much, but did you go fish smelts in the spring? We did actually. Uh, a few uh, few people I know uh, uh, have been checking the brooks lately because uh, that's the only thing we can. Uh, we do you can remember? Do you, do you remember fishing those smelts when you were a kid? You know what, Darren? You could walk across them. Exactly. But do you remember those days you fished them, don't you? Yep. Do you remember anything about your day at school? Not a bit. Probably not. Do you remember going to that damn brook, though? Do you remember not playing it. the Atari every day or whatever you played when you were a kid? See, you know what? Uh, there's days there you remember that as well, right? Uh, so my, point, my, my point is, is that those are memories that are built on foundations of the families. Who took you to that brook? Did you go on your bicycle with your buddies, or did your father, mother take you, or your brother take you, or whatever? Right? I mean, this is this is a social this is a social fabric. Our coastal ecosystem is a social fabric, right? And I don't think people are really looking at it for its value, and that's where it's hard to defeat me and people like me because I believe in what I do. I mean, I thoroughly I remember my dad. Very few things fun in my childhood, but I remember him taking me smell fishing. I'll tell you that, right? You know, that was the one thing I looked forward to every single year was that it was a sign of spring, the sign of happiness, right? You know, and then the next thing was gas bro, right? It's, you know, so. it's funny because you, you hit the nail on the head with that. It's uh, it's value, sir, that uh, you don't learn being in school. You don't learn it on a video game. Uh, like I, I can remember being a kid. I was amazed when you see an adult grab a smelt by the by their with their hand and like. You're like instant wow. heroes. It's instant it's like heroes. it's like how did he do that? And then as you grow older, you you're like, okay, well, hey, I should be able to show some little fella there, like my my buddy's little fella. We took him out a couple of times there many years ago, and uh, to this day, he uh, he still remembers it, right? Uh, now, as you get older, you realize, hey, way back in the day, obviously, it's an unapproved method to catch a fish with your hand. Uh, I know a lot of people that did not know that until two years ago. 
Like it's it's frowned upon. Isn't that a little bit dumb though? It's it's like wow, but you're not like like I, I, I get the concept after it was explained to many people. Uh, and I at first I thought it was a dumb idea, but when you really think about it, it, it it's not so far fetched as a dumb idea because you've got people that are walking on spawning beds. Oh yeah. Using yeah. their hand, right, to catch smelt. So I, yeah. I, I kinda I kind of see why dipnet is the preferred method, right? Yes. Uh, I who told you that? I actually can tell you exactly who told you that. Was his name start with a G? Nope. No, I got wrong. You mentioned nope. his name earlier tonight. I don't want to shit on him. It was uh, it was an enforcement officer by the name okay. of. Uh, well, makes sense. Yeah, I'll leave the enforcement guys. Yeah, name. leave his name out of it, right? That's but, another thing. You never chuck these people under the bus. No, and you, know, it, it, you, you know never what? do that. It, it was one of them points, like, he took it upon himself uh, to educate these folks outside of the actual set, excuse me, setting, because he took it, like, the enforcement guy said, hey, we have to teach people and what you guys had done. And he pulled Buddy aside. He said, I seen your video, he said, uh, that you had posted there with the little fella. And he said, uh, he said, FYI, he said, it's chargeable. He said, here's the reasons why. <coughs> He said, although it may have been looked upon as uh, acceptable back in the day, it's not now. And he, mm. he made the opportunity there to educate versus. He's a good officer. Yeah. So, and, and you know what? You, you got to respect guys like that because, oh, hey, the, the totally. father and son didn't realize, hey, that it was uh, frowned upon, right? Well, you know what? And that's a good officer, plain simple. So. Right. But, I mean, you uh, can't. You, 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 you see, that's a damn good officer, actually. You, you got to value the guys that uh, have a heart when it comes to that stuff, right? And there's a lot of damn good officers out there. Oh, for I sure. Years, I spent years with them chasing me. And and I, I'll tell you, some of the best compliments I ever got in my life came from fisheries officers. I can remember the first compliment I got in Nova Scotia. I guess I'm in PEI, but Nova Scotia was uh, what I didn't know, actually. And he retired immediately after. Um, they were sent, basically, multiple times to shut me up, right? Mm -hmm. And that was the preferred method when I first started my journey because I didn't understand how to properly work with the government, you know what I mean? So when I kick up shit, they'd send the officers out, right? And they semi, semi harass me, kind of, or whatever. Anyways, so after time, some of these officers started respecting me instead of treating me like a criminal, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, remember, these officers deal with bad people on a constant basis, right? They're not dealing with that many honest people sometimes, you know what I mean? So they classify us instantly, in a lot of times, into that bracket of dishonesty, right? Mm -hmm. So it takes a long time sometimes to get that relationship with some of them. This one pulled in my yard one time, and I just got boarded by three officers with my young fellow in my boat. And I was fishing shad, and I just got done complaining about the Windsor Causeway. This was a long time ago. My little boy was probably... He's 20 now. He's probably under 10 then or somewhere around. There, I can't remember. And I was pretty upset because my young fellow was with me. They're all, all armed officers, scary shit coming up on us in the river all by herself, you know, and they were, you know, a little bit aggressive in my mind. Right. And I was cranking anyway, because they just got through killing hundreds of thousands of fish in Windsor. Mm -hmm. And I reported it. DFO put it in the newspaper that they didn't kill the fish. And they sent officers out to look at the fish kill. Well, I sat there and watched, and nobody showed up, right? You know, so I know they were lying in the newspaper. And then they send the officers up the river to come after me. So, anyways, 
and they were looking for an anchor in my boat. That's all they cared about was a friggin' anchor, whether I had an anchor on the end of my net or not, right? That's what they were looking for. So anyways, it, it was irritating to me completely. So that, so anyways, a week later or two or a month or whatever, this officer pulled my yard, which I didn't know. He was on the boat that day, and I didn't know him, and I still don't know him. His name, anyways, doesn't matter what his name was. And he looked at me, he goes, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. And he goes, I just want to apologize to you. He said, sometimes we forget we're public servants. That was one of the nicest things that was ever said to me because he realized they pushed the limit with me, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they were sent out to harass me within reason because I was complaining about a structure killing fish. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Are you serious? You're after me for an anchor to charge me because somebody's told you I got an anchor on the end of my net when I had a window weight, which was legal. And an anchor was legal if you actually study the laws, right? Mm-hmm. Which I was not doing anything illegal. They never charged me anything, nor anything. And um, But they were letting them kill fish upstream thousands and thousands. Of, like, I, I estimated a tractor-trailer load right wow. that day. And they let them do it, and then covered up for them, right? So I don't know. Like we, It's hard not to have a bad taste in your mouth sometimes. But at the end of the day, you get the odd person that comes out. Um, and says something to you, like an officer that you explained, he changes your perception, right? It's and I had like a... What's and that? I, it's all it takes. Uh, like, I know our organizations, we have reached out to them there because, see, federally and provincially, uh, they they seem to move away from uh, public PR events, mm. uh, whether it be a kid's fishing derby or whatnot, or learn mm. to fish program. And I can I, I can commend them uh, both with DFO enforcement and uh, and uh, uh, Nova Scotia Inland Fisheries and Environment Enforcement uh, because uh, they at our request there uh, last year uh, we were hoping to do the same this year uh, they, they come out because I'll be honest Darren kids say the darndest things when you're in the schools uh, and it, it was always all we run from. Uh, the woods cops did say right and you, you, you got a little grade two or grade three child saying that and it's like okay they, they're learning something bad from the parents right let's let's yeah. bring that, the officers in and show them that they're not the bad guys right and yeah. uh, everybody can work and geez we had uh, officers helping kids uh fish one day yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, it was priceless and uh the, the photos and that are still up on uh, uh on uh, the port morian wildlife uh group uh on Facebook there to check it out. But uh, I'll tell you, it was something else. Uh, it, there, there is good officers uh, uh, when it comes to that stuff. So. I actually, I was thinking about it. I don't know a single bad officer anymore. You know what I mean? Like I actually don't have a single bad thing to say about a single officer anymore. We've had well, our problems in the past, but I don't have any problems now. You know what? I, I can't, I can't say anything bad about any of them. Uh, uh, have I had differences with some of them? Yeah. Uh, in the end, uh, if uh, said officer realized that they were wrong, uh, the officer, and I commend them, had uh, the decency to at least reach out and say, hey, I was wrong. And I only had one in my uh, my my time that uh, avoided me like uh, the plague. Or <laughs> he, uh, he didn't want to apologize for being wrong. Uh, no. It's uh, it's it was unfortunate, but uh, uh, I called him out one day, and uh, he uh, he did pull me aside and say, "Hey, listen, I I screwed up, and I admit it, and it is what it is." And then you just let it go, right? Yeah. That's it, the other it, thing about this is you can't hold grudges with this stuff. You just can't. It'd drive you crazy if you did, right? 
I think the longer you're into this stuff, even though you're going to go through a really rough time, like I know it takes a long time for them to actually value your input. It really does. But once they value your input, really most of them are in line with your ideals and you're in line with theirs. Like it just takes a long time for them to actually treat you as an equal or an authority figure or, or a valued person. I don't know what it is. If you put a PhD or BSc in front of your name, instant, instantly they do. Yeah, right? Like for, for, for anybody in the shoes of yourself or me mm. or anybody that's watching that thing say it, it takes time, whether it be with uh, the department uh, or uh, media to, to gain the respect and the credibility and the reliability to, uh, to, to have things uh, put out there, obviously. Uh, yeah. And if you want to make change, you better forge those relationships and make them meaningful because if you don't, you're, you're not going to make no change. And that's, that's a fact. Like uh, the media reaches out to myself and our organization there uh, a lot uh, for uh, for comments on things fish and wildlife related. I guess we're the most outspoken uh, that uh, don't mind touching on subjects that may be controversial. But uh, it's uh, you know what you got to have people like that. Uh, uh, quick topic question here: uh, How has COVID nineteen affected the work you do, Darren? I know you had. Well, we were lucky. We were lucky that we got out ahead of it because it could have really affected us. So we seen it coming. Like it's just, it's no different. When I listen to what the prime premium prime minister says or they do everything in stages so there's nothing that they take from you immediately in this country they do it in over days or weeks or months i could see it coming so i approached um people at cmm mcg and i suggested that we get a plan together very quickly mm-hmm. because before they lock us down we should be moved into my home if we're going to continue this and i offered my home free of charge or whatever right and I said, I think it's good to keep us isolated together. If we're isolated together, I mean, if there's no argument to remove us from the water, honestly, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm a commercial fisherman, I'm allowed. I'm still under the commercial fisheries social distancing laws and like that. But I mean, I don't want people to come from other communities infecting my family or other people's families. We need to get a plan. So we sat down. The chiefs gave permission, or the CMM gave permission through, and different agencies, and we moved the the people into the home. And then we just live as a unit, right? So, I mean, we're willing to, it's not really, I shouldn't call it a sacrifice because we're all good people and we all, you know, whatever. But, I mean, honestly, they're, you know, they have their own homes too. They probably want to live in their own home, I guess. You know what I mean? But there were sacrifices made in order to to meet a standard that we needed to meet to exceed the what the province was doing at the time. And we still exceed the expectations of other other places right so and the chiefs have allowed us to continue the province isn't cranking about it or the feds and we're collecting massively valuable data that will potentially stop delays in the and in, in projects and save dfo a lot of work save the province a lot of work save the chief a lot of work and save a lot of fish so i mean you know and i work under a commercial fisheries regime i still commercially fish so you know, at the end of the day, we've we've found the innovative ways or whatever you want to call it. Now I sound like a government person, but we found ways to deal with things that kept us working, which is nice, right? So we're still being productive members of society. We're still saving rivers, and we're and we we supply information on a daily basis to all agencies, right? So 
And if it wasn't for us in the water, they'd all be blind. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. And you know what? Uh, It's great that you could do that. Uh, I see here uh, Leo has uh, left us a comment again. Here we can still dip net smelt in tidal water. 60 is the limit. Missed it this year, but there's always next year. Well, Leo, we can tell you here in Nova Scotia, uh, we can uh, dip netting season has opened. And uh, the limit is uh, 30 with the dip net and 30 with a rod. Uh, but because but you're still uh, not allowed to fish them. But, but we're still not allowed to fish them. Uh, uh, the province is going to reevaluate fishing uh, May 1st. And my personal perspective there or outlook would be that uh, don't expect it to open based on each day and every day so far. We've had more people infected with COVID and we've had deaths. So it's it's possible that they may reevaluate and open here in Nova Scotia, but I I personally don't see it based on the numbers and it's it's a numbers game unfortunately here. Unless you yeah. got something you may you, you may want to speculate on in regards to that. No, see the problem is is that only I really have a hard time with the shutting down the commercial or the recreational fishery. And salt water and fresh water. I mean, it's coming from a place, you know, we don't all fish stock ponds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're in your backyard or, you know, if you're, if, man, I don't know. I got a problem with it, right? I get it within reason, but when, you know, you got, I was going behind a big load of logs, uh, fence posts and logs today. It's like, you know, it, it's like, who, who deems what, what? Um, I don't know, recreational fishing, in all honesty, I think that uh, that should be an eye-opener for all the fishermen, that uh, if we were together, if, we, if the commercial fishermen, indigenous fishery, make them all fishery, and the recreational fishery were standing side by side in conjunction, I believe we would have not had that happen. It's, right? I, I personally believe that I don't believe the the department made the call. I think it came from the powers that run the province. Oh, of course it did. Uh, I.E. McNeil. I don't. Uh, I personally yeah. don't think that uh, that it came from. It certainly came from somebody that doesn't recreational fish too much themselves. Uh, I, I believe that uh, there may have been uh, some very blindsided people by the decision, and. Each day now, it's just more restrictions, unfortunately. Well, the thing is, they can't go back because then they're going to admit they're wrong or something. There's probably liability that once they do it, I don't know. Once they, never, they don't make decisions very often um, and turn back on because they don't want to admit they're wrong in any way, shape, or form, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. But the thing is, it wouldn't have happened um, if we were not separated. It just wouldn't have happened. Um, it just wouldn't have. I mean, you, they're not stopping you from going down the road. They're telling you you shouldn't. They're not stopping you. Yet you can't stand in a brook with a fishing rod by yourself. It, it just makes no sense. And then they can come up with an excuse where it does make sense in theory. But you're still allowed to go down the road for a walk. You can still go walk alongside that brook. And you I've can't heard, put a pole on it. I've it, heard got comparisons to. with Costco and Sobeys and... Yeah. In the grocery chains, right? Uh, Walmart's, etc., where you've got tremendous amounts of people. Uh, cold. I think if anybody wants to change this, they, they next time they fight with a fellow fisherman, 
they should remember the reason that you don't have a fishing season right now is we're not united and that's just the bottom line because if we were if we were united we outnumber the government within reason right you, bottom line you it's just it. the way it is we have would have so much power if we stood side by side and it's just incredible they don't stop you from walking down the street they're telling you to go for a friggin' job in your in your in your city on your in your around your block but yet you can't go for a walk in your backyard to the brook right i mean this is this comes down to politics bottom line right just politics but uh, uh i see we got one more comment here uh from leo uh, uh we can but not right now because of covid dfo closed as far as i know all recreation fishing uh leo i'm not sure exactly uh if that's uh what happened in new brunswick i have to take your word on it I know here in Nova Scotia, uh, Gasparo and smelt were excluded as uh, a closure fish. Uh, you can only dip net, though, uh, pres uh, prescribed bag limits, obviously. So, uh, yeah, uh, something there. Maybe if I get Mike Holland, Minister Mike Holland, back on for follow-up questions, I'll try to put that to, to Minister Holland for an answer for you, Leo. Uh, now, uh, while I got you, Darren, I know we've we've very really extended the, the, the hour timeline that we had set out, but the conversation just got well in depth. Oh, it could go on forever, brother. And, and you know what? I enjoyed it uh, thoroughly. Uh, 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 there's one photo there that I didn't show, and it's uh, our background photo here that uh, we're displayed over. I'll mm. bring it up here now. Ah, that's cool. That, that yeah. is one of your fishing weirs? That's my statement. So at that time, I was still being semi-bothered by DFO officers, right? Mm -hmm. so and i was very frustrated um so this is my weir um it's on the minus basin floor it's a very old style fish and it's the oldest style actually canada has the oldest weirs in history recorded th back thirteen thousand years we wow. actually have that title there's only a few of us left we're, we're almost gone because it's very labor intensive and the government hasn't there's no incentive to 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 keep the heritage going, which is a shame. But anyways, but basically, I put the heart pond in. Me and the students build the heart pond there, and my kids and stuff. And it's when DFO would fly over and monitor us, they would see the heart, right? You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it's like, and it's basically a symbol of us, right? Like, we're gonna fight for these fish. Yes, we harvest fish, but hunters, you know, look, look who's done more for wetlands and Ducks Unlimited, which was started by hunters, right? Mm -hmm. You know. We're personally attached to this environment. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, that's where our heart is. That's where our weird shows. And the only people who ever see that is people with planes, right? Which is DFO. So so basically, it was a sign. I sent, I, we've made it. That was my reason for making it. The students got really excited about it, and I told them about the project. And I didn't really give them all the reasons why, but they were they love fish, too. All the, all the kids that are, not kids, they're young adults. Um, I used I've worked with, oh my God, some years I've had over 10 or 12, 20 uh, masters or BSE students getting their, getting their degrees for this, right? And I'd never charged them. I've never once charged. I've had some students work with me for five years. Never once did I charge them to come out and get their, their degrees. They all, they get their education off of us, right? Mm -hmm. But I also get an education off of them. So it's a double-edged sword, right? They just never see it coming with me because I'm sitting there like a sponge soaking up everything I hear, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, but anyways, um, 
that 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 picture is pretty cool because I've you know we made that pond that took me that cost me I think it was around four grand in wages to build wow. that pond. Yeah, so that was my <laughs> message to Diaho that day. That was kind of cool. Oh, that's something, eh? And that's where we keep the fish too. So like when we fish our weir, we don't keep everything. So what we don't keep um, gets released into that pond. And when the tide goes back in, it picks it back up and it can swim away, right? So the okay. universities will come, different ones, and tag fish constantly. We've tagged thousands of fish. If you caught a striped bass two years ago, probably, if you caught a striped bass in Nova Scotia with a tag in it, you have an 80% chance it came from my operations. So you That's probably worked hand-in-hand uh, hand with Colin there. Colin Albua? Yes. yes yeah. Oh, man, he's amazing. Yeah, you know, fantastic. when I did the weir study, the year that picture was taken, I think, there was a list of people I wanted to hire. And he was on the top of the list. The province got him two weeks before I was after him. So I went and hired all the students because I, I did a complete study of all those species mm -hmm. that was captured in the weir. We counted everything. I wanted Colin so bad, man. That is a good man right there, brother. Do you know him well? I, I know him pretty well, yeah. Oh, he's a good uh, man. He, he's, he's working with fishers and aquaculture now. Yeah, he's a good man. That fellow, right there. He, he, yeah, he did sure. a lot with striped bass. Uh, yeah, stripers and Myra. He worked in Myra a lot, right? In the he, Myra, yeah. he knows me well. You ask him. Yeah, I him will and I sure. had some pretty. Him and I had some interesting conversations in the past. Oh, for what? Yeah. awesome! Yeah. I'll have yeah. to when I talk to him next. I'll have to reach out and find out. Yeah, I didn't know you knew him. I forgot he worked for the province still. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's uh, he's working for them now. I seen him. Uh, back at the Halifax Outdoor Show before it got canceled. Well, you couldn't find a better person to work for the province in fisheries than Colin Perriott. Mm -hmm. He just gives a shit. He loves fish. He's intelligent like you wouldn't believe. He's the right kind of bureaucrat, bottom line. Right? For yeah. sure. Yeah. So there's there's good many. Uh, it's nice to see him in there. Uh so uh, with uh, with that, I don't have any other viewer comments. Come in, uh, Darren. Uh, I know we're at about uh, two hours and ten minutes now. Uh, a yeah, uh, little longer because we had that uh, eight-minute hiccup there uh, earlier. Yeah, where, uh, yep. And I apologize uh, for, for that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, when you do things live, it's unscripted, right? Exactly. It's, uh, and, and leave everybody with a message. We got to start getting along. Stop fighting. Every time you think about fighting because you see some idiot do something you don't like, just don't fight with them. He's a fisherman. Just you know, try to educate them. Try to stay out of the argument. Try to pull yourself together. If we don't get together, we're going to lose what we have. Yeah, and that is a, that is a fact, right? And if people don't learn that soon, we're just going to keep going down the rabbit hole. People have to join forces and uh, do what's right to. Uh, you know, what we should do. We should we should team up and get the halibut through Nova Scotia, bud. I've got the connections. Uh, I'll, well, I'll I got the connections hey, too. Hey, I'll I'll probably be tired and feather for saying that by uh, some commercial guys, but. Uh, well, you but know hey. what? The commercial people have to understand. You know how many people? Honestly, there's not enough. Like, the public's not going to hurt that stock in my area, at least. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and how much, you know, no, it's, it's not theirs. It's, it's, there's a public resource. There's an allocation of so many kilograms for the public, bottom and, line, right? And, and we've got that battle right now with uh, total allowable catch for recreational fishermen for uh, for uh, mackerel, obviously. Yes. And, and that's like, 
we've got size restrictions and whatnot. I think uh, 10% of the total allowable catch uh, for uh, commercial guys that uh, fish for uh, mackerel, I believe uh, they're allowed 10% undersize. Like like re- recreational guys, I think, uh, now I could be wrong in the numbers. I'd have to go back and double check, but mm. uh, but it's like recreational know, guys got size limits. You know, like with gill nets, they're very specific to size, so you're not going to have an issue that way, right? So just because somebody's allowed something doesn't mean they get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If an officer boards a boat to skill netting, if you're using it, like there's, like I use three-inch gill nets for gas bro, for example. I'm catching eight-year-old gas bro. I'm not catching four-year-old gas bro, five-year-old gas bro. If I drop down to two and seven-eighths, I'm catching seven-year-old gas bro. If I drop down to two and three-quarters, I'm catching six-year-old gas bro. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're not, people. it's not what everybody thinks it is sometimes. Now, if you're fishing a trap net, I'll tell you something. I know trap net fishermen, and I know some god darn good men that trap net fish, right? Mm-hmm. And they've dumped more fish. And I don't mean I say dumped. Don't assume it's dead because it's not dead, right? Mm-hmm. They've had to release years worth of fish because they couldn't risk bringing in fish trying to find a ten percent because of the the slap they get. It isn't like the slap or talk you'll get on the side of a beach. They're supposed to know better. You know, you're a commercial fisherman. You don't usually get the same um, leadway that a recreational person will get, right? So the the tenderness isn't there with the officers. If they staked you out and they're watching, you come in with, you know, say there was a lot of ten percent. You come in with eleven percent, you're getting fine, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just not worth their license. It's not worth their livelihood. I won't risk my livelihood. People look at me all the time. I catch a lobster in my weir. They say, "Well, why would you take that home? A fucking ten dollar lobster? You think I'm crazy?" That's got to go right back in the ocean, right where it belongs, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not taking that home. I'll go to Sobeys tonight and buy my lobster if I got to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to take those risks. And if you do, you're not in the commercial fisheries for a long haul. Yeah. It's just not worth it, right? So I don't know that it's uh, – unless you know something I don't know. With gill nets, you're not going to catch 10% if you're using the, the proper size gill net. You're just not going to get those small effects, right? They're just not there. You know what I mean? It's a – it's a very selective fishery. Now, trap net, that's different. But trap nets, they can release the fish. And I'll tell you, they have a lot of problems getting um, officers out because an officer doesn't want to give his opinion neither. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they want to have them on shore dead so they can go measure them when they're nice and not, they don't go out in the water. So the fishermen won't take the chance. Yeah. It's not worth it. How are you going to sell those small mackerel? It's not that easy. Mm. It's, it's, really, it's not quite as... Um, you might have the odd bad guy get away with it, but you guys got bad recreational fishers. We got bad commercial fishers. And chances are, internally, we handle them ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Same as you probably handle your bad recreational people. You know, there's, and- there's, there's many in uh, some of our organizations that deal with them and address them. Uh, yes. Uh, but, but, but as you mentioned, uh, you've got the bad apples in every group. Yeah, and we do. I mean, I got, uh, I, won't, I shouldn't get into it too much, but. I give them one chance, man. If I see somebody doing something wrong in my area, I'll tell you, I have no mercy after the second time. It's mm-hmm. it's just not you're not going to come bring the heat down on us. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want the I don't want those officers in those bushes every day staring at us. It's it's just, it's 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 annoying for one. Mm-hmm. For two, it's degrading, right? Honestly, it's friggin' degrading to have somebody watching you all the time, right? And I don't want to make bad blood with them. I don't want them thinking we're all criminals. So mm-hmm. we don't put up with it. Like, we will not put up with it. And if there's a fisherman breaking a law where I come from, I, I unhook my anchor, and I go over and I tell him. And I give him, I'm only going to tell you once. 
And that's the truth. I only tell them once. The second time, mm -hmm. I'm calling CMP mm -hmm. right in front of you. Don't mess around here. I don't want Greg Stevens up my ass, right? Mm -hmm. Bottom line. You know him. Do you want him up yours? Uh, me, me and Greg have had some differences in that. Exactly. We get, we, we get along good. <laughs> but we get along good now, too. But we always didn't at one time, right? So I don't want them people up, up after me and after the fishermen that fished legally in my area. I don't want mm -hmm. them after us, right? Yeah, so no. at the end of the day, if we get somebody messing around, we deal with it ourselves. I uh, I totally hear you on that, Darren. Uh, with that, uh, we're we're at the two hour and fifteen minute mark. And uh, if you got anything you want to close out with, any comments, uh, concerns, yeah, just, I think we, just just get along, man. If we yeah. don't get along, we're we're in trouble. I think you got to find a way to you got to find a way to accept um, other people's opinions. Period. And, right? and that's that's the big thing, right? We uh, yeah. we have to all work together. Pull off the impossible. Uh, I don't think it is. is we uh, should work. I don't think I could leave us on. We should work on opening up the halibut fishery and prove it to them. We should prove it to the people that we're right, bud. You know what, Darren? Uh, yeah. After this, uh, you know how to touch base with me. Uh, That's right. That's right. So, uh, let's go watch. Watch. Let's get the let's let's make the Nova Scotia government look great. <laughs> you right, you know what? I, I will. I will set up a chat with. Uh, a private chat there uh, with uh, or t conference call, whatever suits you, and mm -hmm. we can uh, we can discuss this with Sterling and yeah. myself and you, and we can because yeah. uh, I know Sterling Sterling has the foundation built. Oh yeah, I'll uh, tell you, Sterling Bellavos. I mean, I know he knows who I am. So you know, there's and we can make DFO look good. We can make the province look good. And we can do good for the people of this province. Where's the losing in this? There is no losing in this for anybody, right? This is a win, 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 win. So let's just make it happen. Let's do it. Let's just let it end it on that. Let's go make a plan. And you and I get together. We'll get Sterling in the room and whoever else wants to get in the room. And let's hash this thing out and make it make a plan, right? And you know what? Uh, that's you know what the premise of the show, Darren, was uh, based on the fact there that. One, I wanted to get everybody from Newfoundland to British Columbia involved, engaging with the outdoors, the grassroots aspect, family values and heritage with uh, fishing, hunting, trapping, fur trade, what have you. Uh, we wanted to touch on everything, and we wanted to have businesses that engage as well, right, uh, in, uh, in the fishing industry, because we do have mom-and-pop stores. We do have some bigger stores uh, as well. Uh, and we wanted to give them a platform uh, just based on the fact that the whole COVID issue had started and we wanted to get more engagement. And since the show had started it, it, it has taken off on a roller coaster. That's and, awesome, brother. And, and, and for people to hear you offering the support to, as a commercial fisher to, uh, to uh, take on, Trying to get a recreational halibut fishing that uh, I'm not just offering my sport, and sport. I'm offering my time. And, and anybody that wants to crank about it, will they get willing to give up their time? Because you know how many hours it will take you and I to do this. It's put it this way: COVID would have to go on for uh, exactly. So uh, anybody that wants time. to crank about the work that somebody puts into something offers, they're not willing to listen. So. You know, I'm a, all I am is a graduated recreational fisher. That's how I've never seen myself. I never had a fishing father. My father didn't fish. My brothers didn't, or sister didn't fish, or my mother didn't fish. 
mm-hmm. right? I wanted to be a fisherman. I trapped. I hunted. I couldn't make a living hunting in Nova Scotia. You can't shoot nothing to sell besides bear, right? Mm-hmm. So, so basically, I trapped. I, I trapped a lot, too, in my younger years. And uh, I fished. And I started off with a clam hack in my hand. I made my life with a clam rake. That's how I did yeah. it. The back of an old tracker in a five-gallon bucket. I earned every single cent I've ever made. And I was always a fisherman as a little boy with a pole. I'm not just born into commercial fisheries. I'm doing what I love to do and protecting what I love. No different than a recreational fisherman. You know what I mean? It's just the same. It wasn't spoon-fed from your father down or so I'm going to tell you something. I can remember all those 11 cents at a time that went into my bank account and went back out. You know what I mean? Every clam I put in that pocket, 11 cents, 11 cents, 11 cents, 11 cents. That's a lot of goddamn 11 cents, man. And I'm going to tell you, that was, some, that was some heart on my back and my brain and my body and my head. So at the end well, of the day, at the end of the day, um, I don't consider myself a commercial fisherman. I'm a fisherman. You know what I mean? Bottom line. There's no distinction for me. Mm-hmm. It's the same, right? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I know uh, I know. I appreciate what you've done up there uh, uh, as part of uh, what you're doing there with your organization. Uh, be, being an advocate uh, on that and uh, making waves, Darren, no pun intended. I definitely uh, make a few waves, but it's, uh, it's, it's people that are noticing and taking notes. I'm glad I could have you on the show tonight. Uh, I, I know we, uh, uh, for episode five, uh, it's, it's probably one of the longest shows that I've done so far. Uh, we're over the two hour mark. So, uh, but you know what, uh, it's next it's time a, we'll talk about deer, bud. It, it's, it's an in-depth conversation and Hey, it's, it's great. Uh, I know the other day there, when I touched base with you, you were doing food plots for deer yes, and, yes, and yes. whatnot. And, and believe it or not, that plays into episode six. We have, no uh, did you, did, did you see what I had or who I have on for episode six? No, I didn't. I have Steve Elmy, the rack oh, stacker. I'm- Oh, that's cool, man. I just put a rack stacker. You tell them. I just put rack stacker out tonight, right? Oh. So, yeah, see, for me, it's all about management of my property, too. I just love it. I absolutely love it because it's not about shooting the deer anymore. Mm-hmm. It's about watching the damn deer, feeding the deer. It's about feeding the rabbits. It's like I'm, I'm 46 years old. I still got to shoot my deer to eat. I make my own pepperoni. I make my own salami. I make my own everything, right? I do. I still smoke all my fish. We do everything like the old school, right? Mm-hmm. And I still love eating it. But I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna see a thousand deer. Not they're all, all gonna be different. But on my property, I'm gonna watch probably a thousand before I ever pull that trigger, mm-hmm. because I want to watch them. That's just how I am, right? I don't go to Florida. I go to my backyard, brother. And and, and you know it. what? It's it's great. Uh, I might. Uh, I'm gonna reach out. Uh, like I said, for episode six, I do have. Uh, the rack stacker guy. Uh, you tell rack stacker I plant Whitetail Institute food in my land. He should come see me. So I I do put out his mineral lick though. He should come see me, and I might I might switch some of my fields over. Hey, you know you know what? How about you engage with a comment when I bring him on there? Uh, oh, there you and, go. Uh, there you go. He's you know going to be on on Saturday. You should bring your uh, you should bring your camera down the fall. I'll put you in the tree stand and watch all these turnip fields and stuff I plant. It's incredible. How's this? I'll make a deal with you. All right. I, uh, this fall, I, uh, I'm looking to do an episode uh, in the blind. I'm going to run well, it. Uh, I, I'm running. Uh, I'm running an episode there with uh, 
uh, in Newfoundland. Hopefully there, uh, I've, I've reached out to, uh, Barry Fordham and, uh, the, the Newfoundland sportsman magazine, uh, mm. partnering there with, uh, with, with a concept. Uh, but, uh, this fall, if you got that, uh, food plus and I don't just have one brother. Well, Hey, yeah. listen, I'll yeah. tell you this. If you can get the phone on the go in the tree stand, oh, I can we, do it. And we can do one of these. Oh yes, I, I, I'll have you on. And if I can get more than one person, yeah. I'll have I'll do a cycle of uh, five or six people, oh, yeah. and we'll, we'll we'll do it that way. So for the viewers that are watching, Maybe, yeah, there you go. I don't usually like shooting my deer until the end anyway, because I like to watch them all season, right? So you'll get to see some big, hopefully, some big horns run by you. So you know what? Hey. <laughs> don't, don't disclose the location obviously <laughs> no 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 it doesn't matter to me man i mean I, I bought the property and i uh make it better every day when i'm done fishing i go back in the back and i plant something i plant alfalfa and clover two nights ago and Perfect. i'm planting buckwheat next week and mm-hmm. i got a field being plowed tomorrow and they're planting uh oats in that field and oh yeah awesome. we don't stop we don't stop so, so, so with that, I've got your commitment then to get, uh, get an episode of in the blind over your, uh, your food plot. So, and yes, I man. will tell, I will tell Steve on uh, Saturday that, uh, we had uh, the discussion. Come, come convince me to switch from Whitetail Institute stuff over to Rack Stacker. Uh, you know what? Hey, yeah. put it in the comments, uh, on Saturday and, uh, I'll, uh, I'll ask him how's that. All right, perfect, brother. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure his uh, his product is uh, as good, if not superior, to. Uh, it's quite possible. The, the other stuff. So I did put. A, I did want the rack sticker stuff. But you can't find it anywhere. So I actually had a fellow drop me off some tonight. Um, there's, it's hard to find right now because of the COVID stuff, right? Well, you know what? I'll address that uh, issue with Steve when he's on the show. Yeah, he should do a delivery service for rack stacker stuff, man. I want to say, hey, the guys in Nova Scotia, and I've heard from Terry Smith uh, and others that uh, it's it, it's in demand, but it's uh, it's hard to get sometimes. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. So I had a heck of a time. All right, brother. But, take uh, care, man. Thanks again, Darren. I appreciate the in-depth conversation, yep. and uh, I'll have you on again, and we'll uh, we'll do the episode in the in the stand and over your food plots. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Maybe I can get Elmy on for that as well. Uh, Why not? May as well fill the tree stand. I'll have to build a bigger tree stand. There you go. Hey, hey, it's it's all electronic nowadays, Darren. I could be here in Cape Breton. He can be in Ontario, and and, uh, others can be out. You can be in Windsor. Uh, We're we're, we're good, right? uh, There you go. so with that, uh, I I enjoyed the the conversation, uh, learning about what your organization has done. it sounds like you've hit the same hurdles as every other organization. So, uh, so with that, Darren, uh, that concludes uh, episode five of Coast to Coast Outdoors, and I appreciate having you on. All right, thanks, bud. All right, thanks again, Darren. Take care, man. You too. Bye. So, folks, uh, that concludes uh, episode five of Coast to Coast Outdoors. Uh, it was a lengthy one, some technical issues at first, but I apologize for that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great to have Darren on talking about many different topics. Uh, uh, we didn't expect it to run as long as it did, but you know what? Uh, I hope you guys have uh, gained enough value from that as well. So uh, all said and done, uh, you guys uh, take care, have a good night, and tune in for episode six of Coast to Coast Outdoors with Steve Elmy. 
the rack stacker guy talking food plots and some of his mineral licks and other products that he has. So hope to see you on Saturday uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, Atlantic time, uh, 7 p.m. Ontario time. Uh, thank you and have a good night.